You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. A new chapter this morning in the battle against Ebola. Nickelback are back. The multi-platinum band has just announced a new album and a North American summer. Until you see the flaming butthole, you ain't seen nothing yet. Actually, I tell you what, man. I know you went through all this trouble. This thing's a pain in the ass. Something good for ya. And welcome to the first episode of the Something Good For You podcast for 2021. Yay! Where we're actually going to try getting back into the seat and trying to give you a weekly show. Rest right back to the thing of each and every week we sit down to give you a little something good for you. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Alex Stiff, and sitting across from me is the one and only Captain Nunn. That's me. Holy shit, this feels weird to do that intro I know, again. Right? <laughs> Made it a little extended only because it's the first one of the year. And yeah. figured... Might as well kick off the year the right way. We got Tiki back with us. How you doing? Your enthusiasm was infectious there. <laughs> I'm so excited now. Yes. Well, I mean, come on. 2020 sucks. So we at least have to kick off 2021 the right way. And at least in the world, it seems to be, you know, kicking off with a fucking bang. <laughs> so let's at least you try to lying. have some fun with it right now and not worry about that bullshit. So we haven't had a guest in the house really since, what, Jared and september october something like that yeah and then before jared outside of that uh seeing tyler yeah yeah our last yeah the two our last i guess it was two episodes ago it was in september begin or may have been august yeah not, not including all the live streams we did yeah because those because there was, those are always a little bit of a different dynamic it's got the phone number and all that so yeah. it's nice to be able to just finally sit at the table not really have a specific topic yeah, yeah just you know again. it's good it's gonna be good just to have something uh that focuses on things other than the palace is burning and you know all this kind of shit. I'm still I'm still waiting on my like awesome you know rock albums or like just awesome music that we get from you know tr- times like this. You know in the '60s we got Creedence, we got Jimi Hendrix, we got you know all these other bands. Mm-hmm. Where's Where's that today? I don't hear it. Post Malone. I'm, I'm guessing 2022 is when you'll hear it. Sure. Nobody's been able to record anything. Well, it seems like with a lot more of the home studio setups, we would see a little bit more like um, the Struts, I think, released an album uh, that this past year and they recorded like in quarantine or something right. like that. There's been a, a ton, just a ton of, you know, everybody's got a home studio now and everybody's just well, the trying, big names do. Well, even like the smaller names are just trying little basic home. Yeah, setups I guess we kind of do. We, yeah, there's the, there was that whole Hanukkah series that Dave Grohl and uh, this guy that plays synths and everything else, whose name I can't remember, they put out a whole Hanukkah series of them, them doing synth and drum covers, and that was really cool. It really was. They even did a version of Mississippi Queen, and the oh, reason nice. and the reason he sent it to me is uh, Dave didn't have a cowbell, and that song relies on the cowbell. So yes. what he wound up doing was getting a plastic solo cup, wrapping duct tape around it, and attached it to the top of his hi hat. Yep. It was hitting the rim of the solo cup. Interesting. And it had that fucking uh, drum, like that cowbell tone to it. And it was ridiculous. I, I love that make it work sentiment. You know, whether whether you hate what they produce, I like that they. <laughs> and they totally did. I too. like that they're like, uh, we need that. We don't have it. Uh, here, use this chair. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Meanwhile, the synth's doing all the guitar parts. It's cool. A, a band I, I used to listen to a lot and would go see in college. Um, one of their releases there was like this super deep drum in the back that was going along with the toms and it turned out that they had used a drum case really they took a drum case and just mic'd it up and one of the other guys was just following with the drummer 
on that's it. cool and i said they that was a cool sound I mean, i've heard of different bands doing that stuff like um when i was with biggie stardust we uh we recorded an acoustic version of um I think Saturday night. Yeah, we recorded an acoustic mm-hmm. version of Saturday Night by the Dwarves uh, and submitted it for like a cover contest they were doing. And um, we wanted like stomps and claps because do you know? Can can you yeah. kind of remember that? Yeah, song? yeah. We wanted that boom, pop, pop, boom, pop, boom, mm. pop, pop, boom, pop to kind of work uh, along with yeah. it. So that's exactly what we wound up doing. We put a microphone or two next to a um, an acoustic guitar case that we had, mm-hmm. and we would just lightly tap our foot huh. on the top just to give it that resonant sound, yeah. and then we would clap on top. But we, we just basically sat there for almost 10 minutes kind of fine-tuning our tap and just kind uh, yep. of figuring out how heavy, how much of a heavy stomp, and I, we, we figured out just basically smacking the top of it oh, with yeah. our foot just gave it that perfect little thunk noise we were looking we for. We did that with my toolbox uh, for uh, Tyler's shit back we in did. September. Yep. <laughs> you know, I love finding out like little studio secrets that were almost an accident. Somebody had a crazy idea. Mm-hmm. What was it? There's a police song that has like a weird piano chord. In yeah. the and it turned out that Sting, I guess he was recording vocals at the time. He just he took a step back and he was too close to piano and his, literally his ass just hit the keys. Yeah. yeah. And that, so there's like, they left it in. They're like, that's weird, but we like it. Huh. <laughs> no, it I like that, though. What, what song was this? I can't remember. That. It was one of their more popular ones. I was about to ask if it was a, one of the hits or it, not. It was one of their hits, yeah. But there's just this, and it's the only place a piano shows up. It's just this weird little, <laughs> in the beginning, you know, and it's, it was like, what chord is that? And they're like, no idea. So no, no, <laughs> nobody's got to know about this. Yeah. Well, I just leaned on the piano. <laughs> Another one I found out was uh, Back in the Saddle by Aerosmith. Back in the Saddle. There's like a weird, you, you can barely hear it, but it's there's a weird little tambourine thing going on. Okay. They basically tape tambourines, uh, a tambourine to one of Steven Tyler's feet. Oh, I, I can, I can picture that especially since it's supposed to have like a western feel yeah, anyway yeah, yeah. They, i thought it was spurs or yeah, something like spurs sound they, effects they said that you know we they were kind of going for wanted something like that and the producer's yeah. like hey let's try this and so he's like get the gaffer tape and the yeah just taped it right to his foot again i do love that stuff and actually wasn't that like the uh way they accidentally figured out like distortion and some urban legend it's a popular guitarist like he was hauling his amp in to do a session and it like dropped and like some circuitry got fucked up but like when he plugged it in it had like a certain buzz i think that was the kink story i think that was ray davies when they were doing you really got me I've, I've heard that. I've also heard uh, people playing through a blown speaker mm-hmm. or a damaged speaker, mm-hmm. and they're like, I like the way it sounds. Yeah. yeah, I think that's how Link Ray and folks like that were recording back then. Link Ray was just like, what's that tremolo? Is that called tremolo, where it just breaks up? Let me just crank this as the song goes. Yeah. I, know, I know I heard a story one time about uh, Thin Lizzy. You know, they're uh, basically the harmonic guitar parts mm-hmm. that they would always do. That what they tracked one guitar and there was something funky in the studio that was causing it to like double track but at a like a half octave different really and they they heard it playing back and they're like hey that sounds really cool so the other guitar players like i'll just learn it that like that yeah and that's how they kind of started that sound that's interesting so that was kind of by accident i didn't know yeah. this story yeah i mean it's just one of those things whether whether it's true or not i can't say but i like to think that yeah, things like that happen on accident sometimes. Because but then they started, they were pretty you know traditional you know full yeah. on hard rock band. Yeah, and, and then the, then it kind of got into that uh, that twin guitar sound. 
yeah. that I think everybody affiliates with them. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and actually that, that ties in perfectly because uh, at this point last week on uh, our Patreon, the uh, You Gotta Hear This, we actually listened to... We did uh, a Black Rose episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I would not really listened to that one front to back, but that had some really good songs on it, but maybe actually you could shine a bit more light on it. One of the things we were talking about was talking about uh <laughs> was the fact that outside of cowboy song and jailbreak they really didn't get that much more of a hit than maybe uh, boys in back of town yeah but like, i think out, boys boys are back in town was probably their biggest hit but out of those three they didn't really get any other popular hits yeah but the, they still had a good handful you know, of the records so, come the out song after. they really broke with uh in europe or at least in the british isles area was um whiskey in the jar and that was like the very first single they put out. Because that's an apparently that's like an old, old pub folk song. song. Yeah, yeah. I, folk song, but pub song. That's one of the things I think our culture doesn't have. You know, you can just start singing a song, mm-hmm. the whole bar will join in with. Yeah, you. yeah. Nobody's singing, you know, church hymns or anything uh, no. <laughs> in, in redneck bars or anything like that. But in England, there's like you know, full on drinking. I would say hymn style. Fucking oh yeah, songs. yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, they broke with that, and then. Let's see. They they have so many good songs. One of my favorite songs of theirs is Emerald. Yeah. yeah. Which I think some people don't like because it's not really a conventional rock song. I like it a lot. That's one of my yeah, favorite so. ones. And we talked about this the other day where like that part at the end where it goes. That sounds like an Irish jig to me. Oh, yeah. With the timing yeah, it on definitely it. Definitely does. Mm-hmm. I tell you a group. I, I don't know if they're is Gunpowder Gray still around. Kind of, uh, sort of. Yeah, yeah, basically. But when they covered Emerald, that's what really solidified me as a fan of them. Yeah. Because the rest of it, I mean, it's rock and roll. Mm-hmm. It's good rock and roll. But then when you, you pull out kind of a obscure-ish mm-hmm. cover, people have heard it, but they don't necessarily really come to mind. Yeah. Right off hand. Yeah. I thought that was really that was really cool and that really solidified. And that's a group that of guys. One that, of my favorite. And that's a group of guys that know how to play guitar and know how to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, justice Brad, too. The, uh, the one the, the uh, second guitarist of the mm-hmm. Long Blonde here. God, he is just a killer guitarist. So yeah, just give him a song like Emerald. It's just like all right, I got it. Yeah, <laughs> we, we opened for them one time at, at the, the Milestone. Mo- at the Milestone. Yeah. Both of us did. The, yeah, and Prowess was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I know the singer uh, Chris from uh, Gunpowder Gray was under the weather or yeah, whatever. they all were anyway uh <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm not going to i'm not going to cast aspersions on people i didn't say a word yeah. <laughs> but no they're great they're a great band <laughs> yeah but i was talking to him and i said man i'm glad to see emeralds back in the set he goes yeah i we ta- i taught that to the other guitar player on the ride down here mm mm-hmm. mhm I'm yeah. like, really? In a van? You taught him? They're just like, cr- like they're just crammed up like this with their guitars just on their shoulders. Going jamming like, it like out this. together. Well, I was impressed. I yeah. was impressed at the talent of the other guy to just go, I got it. Uh-huh. You know. And uh, I went to Sam, the bass player's house one time. Yeah. And he's got a big fucking Thin Lizzy banner and his on his wall and oh, everything, yeah. too. So they're diehards for sure. A lot, oh, of those, yeah. a lot of those Atlanta bands are diehard Thin Lizzy fans. And that's one thing mm-hmm. I noticed in the last 10, fin, uh, last 10 years, it's been kind of this resurgence of you know appreciation for bands like Thin Lizzy and a lot of bands you don't hear on a regular basis on classic rock radio or yeah. anything like that. Since yeah. that medium's kind of you know dying out for you know folks our age. Right. And I mean, it, it may just be because I've kind of been digging into the catalog a little bit more, but it feels like a lot more people are talking about Slade now too. 
in the when, states yeah. for sure. When, when maybe even five years ago, people were not talking about Slade. Right. I can admit I was never a huge Slade. I, I would never call myself a fan of yeah, them. But there, they there, had were, hits. there were songs that they had that I liked. Mm-hmm. I'm but su- I'm surprised they didn't get a second pop in the states post Quiet Riot or anything like that. Right. Going like, hey, these are the this is the band that's plays that wrote these songs you've heard a million times. Right. Because it's like it, it, even though. Metallica may cover every other song under the sun and people may mistake it for a Metallica right. instead of an original. They at least try to go, yeah, hey, they, this is a blah, blah, blah song. Exactly. You know, at least yeah. they try to make it really evident. If you hear the Quiet Riot story of how they recorded Come On, Feel the Noise, they hated that song going yeah. into it. They were like, the singer was just like, oh man, I'm not doing that naughty holder bullshit and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and they go into how the drummer's like nailing the beat and everybody's like getting mad. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, no, no, don't play it so good. They're like, they're like, okay, we're going to record this, and it's going to be terrible. That was their game and then, plan. And then they were like, God damn it, we did a good job. <laughs> you know? And that's the thing is, I don't hate uh, the Quiet Riot versions of those songs no, at all. No. Uh, Mom, We're All Crazy or Come On, Feel the Noise. I think both of them are great. But the Slade versions are also really fucking good. They're just very different. Yeah. Right. I think one of the things that can be hard as far as you know going backwards say your favorite band covers a song yeah and they may play it a little heavier a little mm-hmm. faster or whatever and you're like i love that then you go listen to the original and you're like oh it doesn't sound the same yeah you know mm-hmm. a live version can do that for you too mm-hmm. hear a live version of a song and then go and listen to the studio version and i just thinking like kiss but like see it a live band yeah. you know and then be like oh i want to hear the studio version of that and you listen to it it's and, disappointing yeah maybe it's not as exciting or it's maybe live it's literally two bpms faster and right. that two bpm gave it that extra little oomph it needed mm-hmm. to give it that you know good supercharge we're on the record it's a little slowed down which we're guilty of that i like doing it that way too but at the same time depending on the song it can be like damn it that's why you hear only live versions of peter frampton songs and yeah i couldn't even that's- tell you what if there is a studio version of do you feel like i do there probably is but i've never heard it <laughs> and it would not be that extended no it, you know probably not even a talk box solo <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate Peter Frampton at all either. either. But that's just one of those deals where it's just like I never saw it. There's a lot of classic rock bands that I probably, you know, Peter Frampton should capture my attention because, you know, he's a guy that plays a Les Paul guitar and, you know, writes, has really good guitar tones. But I never got past anything of it outside of the live album with other than maybe his Humble Pie material because right. I always thought that was a good band too. You know, that's one of the reasons uh, uh, here's a band everybody's going to make fun of me for liking. I actually liked uh, Wasp. There's, there's still, kind of been a resurgence of Wasp I, I fan still lately. Been. Now, I'm not talking about the later Wasp stuff. More like, more like the, you know... Fuck like a beast. Fuck like a beast and all that kind <laughs> of stuff. Saw piece era. See, he's I not going to make fun I of you. Liked, he's naming off songs right now. Because they did, and they covered a couple Humble Pie songs. Oh, I haven't heard these. And, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I Don't Need No Doctor. I haven't heard that version. It's a good version. That and, was, it, it, and that's one of the things where, you know, listening to almost anything and everything, you can start to go backwards on it. Yeah. You know. And that's just one of those obscure bands that everybody talked about, you know, as a guitar player and everything, mm-hmm. how great they were. And you don't hear any of those. Again, you don't hear any of those songs on radio. You don't hear this band talked about or anything like that. And I guess Wasp has the luxury of kind of still being in the public eye a little bit because they had, you know, videos. Yeah. Yeah. Like quality videos. That I mean, I mean Blackie of looks like your your Aunt Frances now. And, uh, <laughs> and that's the thing. Blackie Lawless is still a name that people recognize. Right. They almost recognize that name before they recognize Wasp. 
Okay. I, I, that I, haven't like, run, I haven't run into that. Well, but, yeah. Only because when you said Wasp, I couldn't immediately think of someone, but as soon as you said Blackie, I was like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, for some Black- reason, that rang a better bell for me than Wasp actually did. Well, yeah. Probably because they're just both one and the same now as far as identities. Uh, yeah, they really that are. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, you know, they had a they had a really good guitar player, um, that likes Chris, to, Chris Holmes. That likes to get but, hammered in pools with his mom. But, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? You check up on him now. Mm. Oh, dude. Life's not been kind. No. If you've seen any of those videos, Alex? No. Oh, God. The guy from Wasp. He's one of those guys that's probably going to be on Parlor or something like that. Oh, yeah, Chris Holmes. Oh, yeah. oh but no. I think it was 10, 11 years ago, something like that. He just kind of came out of hiding and just put together these really crude YouTube videos oh, of yeah. like some bullshit he had been recording at his house. Oh, yeah. And it's not good. Oh, no. And he, and he looks like present-day David Allen Coe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's like David Allen eats ice cream, goes fishing, and then there's a guitar solo. And it's like, Basically. Yeah, I mean, exactly. That really is what the video is. But, <laughs> it's yeah. like him just walking around and like, you know, uh, lip syncing with his fist in the air and the camera and all that. See, here, here's the thing. I don't understand what... It, okay, I understand. It, it's still just one of those where I kind of go, oh, no, 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 no. Is So that's a perfect example. And another one, uh, and the reason it's on my mind is because we just talked about it also on the show probably coming out tomorrow on our Patreon. Well, uh, nobody's heard that. Well, well, that's fine. It's just a little <laughs> teaser for people that need to sign up. On that episode, uh, you got to hear this. We actually listened to a Desolation Boulevard from Sweet. Yeah. Well, you know, Sweet has gone through like a million different singers throughout their time, especially right. in the 80s and stuff. Well, they've got some new singer again. And they released an album this year called Isolation Boulevard. Yeah, okay. You get it. And it's re-records of Desolation Boulevard and other hits and like mm-hmm. a couple other covers that they decided to do of like their contemporaries at the time. Like they had, they even do back in the New York groove. Right. And that was pretty cool. All the other songs are so bad, but the worst part is you look at the album cover and one of the guys is in the worst, worst long blonde wig ever. Like it <laughs> looks like you walk straight out of the discount section of Party City and grab this thing. I mean, again, I am not like a vain person where I pay attention to hair, but I would have even looked at him and went, hmm. Do you have like a female friend or something that can like tease that and like give it like some natural look before we take this photo? Isn't it it the one guy from the original band? Yes! And he's like wearing this tap out looking shirt. Like he thinks he looks like a badass. He's got his new hair on. He's got his tap out shirt and his chains on and all this shit. The affliction man. Oh yeah. He he is on it, buddy. Affliction man. And it's and it's just so sad uh, to see that kind of stuff because it's like exactly what you're talking about, like with uh, members of like those old '80s bands. They're trying to do that DIY stuff, yeah, but it just it looks so bad, <laughs> almost embarrassing. Grandpa's oh, yeah. got a computer, and it shows. Yeah, <laughs> Grandpa's got a computer. <laughs> Why does I you feel know, like that needs to be a song title? <laughs> you know, I can, I can remember. It really was not all that long ago. I kept saying, you know, hey, the way I dress is pretty boring maybe i should get something better for on stage and every time i try something i i go nah that's not me you just got the you just keep the jeans and t-shirt just jeans approach. and t-shirt man it's it's all i don't even wear black jeans you know it's you get more white jeans like uh no <laughs> la players <laughs> <laughs> no it's pretty much straight up blue jeans and black t-shirts i guess because that's what i've worn my whole life it's only been recently where i've decided to like you know try to you know what's the term for it? peacock a little on stage yeah so i didn't do when i started off it was just i just looked 
basically like everybody else that was in Tremont. Just wearing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wearing, I look like I should be loading beer. Exactly. In, I look like you know. I should be a crew guy with like pants <laughs> that were too big for me and a shirt that was too big for yeah. me and all that. <laughs> I, I went through different phases of that, like growing up. Like when I, I hit a phase where it's like I went through the whole horror punk goth thing. Yeah. So it's like I wore like the little bit of guy liner and yeah. it's like I paid attention, like made sure I had like the the good you know you know misfit shirt on with the matching belt right. and you know the oh, which black which shade of black pants do I want to wear today and which right. you know which weird shoes do I want to wear and then slowly it was just like I'm tired of fucking with my hair I'm just going to cut it short yeah. and it's like ah, I like some regular blue jeans and yeah. you know it's, it's slowly I had to start kind of stripping away at all that and then it got to the point where I got so bored it's like I started looking at all my fellas I'm like I'm like, I'm a cartoon character in a sitcom. I'm like a member of The Simpsons. Right. I look exactly the same every single oh. day. <laughs> it's the same hat and the same hoodie and the same jeans and the same shirt. I'm a fucking cartoon character that right now. That is definitely me. And it's like, and, there, and there's a point where I'm fine with it, but it's like, it got also to a point where I'm like, I want to have some fun again. It's I mean, like, there's, I'm there's tired a, of looking so basic. There's a good <laughs> chance that when people see us finally play again whenever that is uh <laughs> that uh i'm wearing the exact same pants that i wore the last time you saw me. <laughs> you know, it's i don't know man i'm just i'm over it you know yeah and, and i go through phases of over it too it's just like right now i'm just having fun just going like ooh, how about this dress shirt Ooh, mm-hmm. how about this suit jacket you know that kind of thing right now yeah i mean i've tried everything i've tried doing the you know okay it's hot let's play with no sleeves and, yeah. then, and then I see a picture and I'm like, nah, that's just, that's not how I look on a daily basis. Right. You know, so mm-hmm. I'm like, what, what am I doing? You know? Well, see, and I'm even trying to do that. I'm trying to get it to where I'm like, okay, well, if I want to implement this look on stage, let me try doing it a little bit more in right. daily life. So it's right. like, that's why even like uh, one of the new suit jackets I got, I got a super cheap jacket mm-hmm. for the simple purpose of instead of a hoodie, Right. that I would wear just to go out just for a quick something on my sleeves. Let me just grab this. It's a little form-fitting. It's tight. It looks fine with jeans, t-shirt, and right. boots. But it's something different than a fucking hoodie all the time. Now, around the house, no. I'm not wearing a goddamn suit jacket just lounging around the house. <laughs> yes, I'm still going to wear my fucking hoodie. But I'm trying just to at least get to that point where it's like I'm trying a little bit to see if I can just naturally fall in. Right. Because if I can't get to the point where I naturally fall in, I feel like it's fake. Yeah, you know, and, and that's that. not what I want to feel like. So right now I'm kind of doing it, but it's like if any point I get to the point where I feel like it's I'm doing it on purpose, I'll wind up stopping now, again. <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong, I have no problem if you know if I have something ridiculous to wear. I know I've played shows before wearing a uh, t- novelty T-shirt just said "World's Okayest Guitar Player." You know, <laughs> so that's great. And I and but the point is, is I know it's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't. And I, I don't pretend, no, look how cool I am. It's like, no, this is ridiculous. I mm-hmm. want you to see how ridiculous this is, too. I've heard oh, no. Do, do you think I sell fuck Alex Stiff t-shirts because I think they're genuinely cool? No, it's because it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard the debate, uh, too, about wearing uh, wearing clothes on stage. Uh, do, should you wear other bands' t-shirts? Yeah. If it's your band, you're trying to sell your band, though. I mean, I've, of course, there's really no rules for it. That's just a conversation I've heard brought up. Yeah, I, think, kind of I, that. I think the only... There are a few metal acts that I can think of that got away with wearing their own T-shirt. See, I'm still from the standpoint of you don't wear the T-shirt of the band you're going to see 
to see them. What if it's Iron Maiden or something like that? Maiden, Metallica, Megadeth. Oh, Slayer can get away with it. They've kind of that Rush. Rush t- everybody in a Rush concerts wearing Rush. I t-shirts. never have. I never have. <laughs> I did get. Uh, I had the. I, I got to see Rush uh, quite a long time ago. It was in uh, Chapel Hill, and Primus opened up for him. Oh, God. Just super, like, prog metal. Just oh, full man. On, it all, was, the, all the bass nerds just all losing All the bass their, nerds were there. Losing their minds. And you know what? I loved it. So I would have, too. <laughs> well, well, let me ask you this. So so why, why do you feel that way about not wearing the band shirt to the show you're going to see? I'll tell you what. It all goes back to, like, uh, the shit that happens to you in high school. Mm-hmm is the stuff that sticks with you forever whether right. you want to admit it or not of course okay you go to a concert you drive for a band that you love you buy this awesome t-shirt mm-hmm. then you wear it to school the next day yeah all of my friends would make fun of me right? yeah same and i'm like <laughs> instead of instead of having the fortitude to go man those guys are dicks yeah and now it's kind of like yeah, you need to space that out a little bit. You know? or, or like, or the I like T-shirts like say from uh, if we're going to see a band in a club that has like their logo on it, doesn't have a whole lot you mm-hmm. know on it, just has like a big art piece on it right. on the front, maybe the band logo on the back. I love that. Something about the tour T-shirt that just has all the dates on yeah. the back and has like a, this big just you know design on the front that just takes up all of it. Yeah. I don't know. Some for some reason that just irks me. Still, no, and I understand that. I guess just coming from the standpoint of being a musician, yeah, I would love it. Like if you know, at some point we reach you know some sort of notoriety, and I look out in the audience and I see a lot of fill-in shirts. Yeah, that that as the performer, that to me would be cool. Even like at the milestone, oh, it would no. be cool to all of a sudden see like people I've not really recognized. Like, oh shit, you're actually wearing a fill-in shirt. Yeah. Oh wow, that that's cool. It you is, know, so it is cool. It's only happened to me like once where I saw this complete stranger. Wear a T-shirt that wear specifically a T-shirt that we were just giving away mm-hmm. by the end of uh, its run. It was yeah. the Halloween shirt with all the faces on. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like we we had a show where I was like literally on stage, just kind of tossing a I few mean, out to the audience. When we when we had the ray guns going, we had T-shirts, and it was cool to look out in the audience and see somebody wearing one. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I don't know why I can't. I can't get that past my head. To yeah. Do it, you know? and, and so it's like, that's why like, if it's a band I hadn't seen in a minute, then mm-hmm. it's like, I know I'm going to see them or whatever. I try to specifically actually wear their shirt. That way it's just like that way, even if I'm in the audience, right. people that see me know, Hey, if you're not sticking around for this band, right. I am right. that kind of thing. It almost adds pressure to other people being like, huh? You know, just throwing the names out there, huh? I've not heard of the Grave Rollers before, but I've seen like four people wearing Grave Roller shirts tonight. I might need to check them out. Yeah, you know, so that that's even maybe my secondary thought on. That'd it, be like, more, even more amazing considering we don't have them. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's why I said throwing out names. <laughs> I'm sure there's like five websites that has like bootleg T-shirts of some of your old designs. <laughs> I wish. All right, let's go ahead and talk about that because uh, uh, we can't fix anything on that. Did you hear? Did, did we ever? Did I ever bring that up on one of the live streams? I don't remember if I, I did. You brought or not. it up on one of Tony's shows. On one of Tony's shows. Okay, yeah. yeah so I, I, I haven't brought it up. On, I remember I talked about it somewhere. So um, a few months back, I would say maybe in like what July, August, somewhere in that area. Yeah. Uh, I was doing just the random search for the fill-ins online because I'd sent out a bunch of press kits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was seeing if any other extra websites had picked us up. So I was just typing in the fill-ins and never heard of them. Fill-ins, you know, return to sender, just to see what anything that comes up. Well, I got the fill-ins, long way to go. All of a sudden, a shit ton of stuff came up. And I'm like, oh, fuck, this, this song popped. 
which actually looking to Spotify numbers, it did. But I'm like going, but what is all this? Because, you know, when you do a Google search, it also lists like five or six images at the very top of right, the page. Right, right, right. All of a sudden, I see a bunch of our long way to go T-shirts on white with like all these 100% made in America looking stickers and all this crap on it. Hmm. And I'm like, what? And I hit images. All of a sudden, it's probably still like this today. All the images are flooded with bootleg fill-in shirts right someone somehow and i don't know how because i'll go through all the little different steps here in a second somehow they bootlegged that shirt and saw it like cool enough to like plaster it about oh it was actually never heard of them shirts that's what it was never heard of them shirts not long way to go never heard of them just plastered all over the place and i'm just like what the shit? And I'm and I'm wanting to pull it up now, see if I can still find some of them because I was tempted to actually like purchase a few. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Yeah. All of those, like all of that, is fake. So, here's what perplexed me about it mm-hmm. is I was asking a couple different people, and the reason I'm now talking about it is yes, I went through, I tried getting all of it removed. There's right. basically nothing I can do at this point. So, whatever. If someone's buying a fucking fill-in shirt, I would hope they're going to our actual website and that they just find it on a fucking trendy site like this anyway, so I'm not that concerned about it. But here's what confused me. When I was asking this one guy, he goes, yeah, man, you gotta be real careful at posting HD images of your art design, say, on Twitter. And I said, well, I didn't do that. And they're like, well, you had to have in order for mm-hmm. them to do that. They said, or your website that you use to print your web, uh, your T-shirts got hacked. And I said, well, I can confirm that's not it either. And the reason being is I create all the image files mm-hmm. for the T-shirts. So I know every little thing about the image file. Looking at this, on the top of the S, there's a little black mark. That is indicative of a mark that's on the album cover. Right. Someone took the album cover and traced the important images, but didn't grab the fucking lines very well inside the ear right. for the diagram, but tried to grab the p- spots that they thought was right. It's like a little and, top right corner piece just over the S. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was part of one of the uh, designs I put on the record. It was like a, a worn kind yeah. of thing to it. Yeah, so that's how I can confirm that our printing company didn't get hacked. This isn't our printing company selling our designs, anything like that. Right. And it that someone didn't grab it from Twitter or Instagram or something. Someone just grabbed a high quality version of the album cover, something you're gonna put out there mm-hmm. anyway. Fucking put it through Photoshop, traced it, and thought the image was cool enough to bootleg. So I kind of felt prideful for a second. I was like, you thought my t-shirt was cool enough to bootleg. Was <laughs> this in China or Japan or anything like that? Dude, I don't fully know. It's it, it was it's just one of those fucking sites. It's like one of those Facebook sites. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, that it's like, you know, where people always wind up spending money and getting it um I got sent bom- through like that. I got bombarded with all kinds of like Facebook bootleg t-shirts, you know, last year. I haven't been seeing any of those lately. Yeah, cuz they've been cracking down on them a little bit. But yeah, guys, if you 
if, if you just Google search fill-ins, never heard of them, and then just hit images, literally second image next to our band camp. It's like our band camp, bootleg t-shirt, review, bootleg, bootleg, bootleg. <laughs> <laughs> and then our store. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, fuck. And I've been half tempted to actually order one of them just to see what it looks like. <laughs> but at the same time, I also have a feeling they're just going to take my money and run. <laughs> well, the thing is, is there's so many sites set up now where someone can simply upload an image and then they just print them as people order i mean that's that's what we do yeah so it's uh it's, so it's like easy. i know there's not stock of this anywhere ba- yeah basically there's no cost associated mm-hmm. with it no absolutely nope. not and, and that's actually what's kind of fun about it. i mean that's how we've ran our t-shirts for the longest time is you know well hell even in a group chat someone will send out an idea for a t-shirt and mm-hmm. i'll just i'll kind of design something up and we're like yeah that looks cool and within a day or two i'll post it up on the site and it's really cool because it gives people an opportunity to purchase a new t-shirt that we're right. offering up but it gives us the artist the freedom of going we don't know if this is going to sell or not. Let's not spend two hundred dollars yeah. on a stock of T-shirts that no one is going to end up being interested. You know, in. the hardest thing about uh, you know back when you used to have to print your own T-shirts, you know, and you go pick them up. What sizes do you order, and how many? Yes. I still yep. run into that because I, I still use websites like that to order stock, mm-hmm. you know, for shows and stuff. I still run into that. I, at this point, I just order. Um, uh, Three small and then five and everything else. Right. <clears throat> and that, that to me just winds up evening it out because we occasionally get the, the rare female or the rare skinny motherfucker that wants a t-shirt. Right. But basically everyone else wants between a medium to an XL. So we say, just pick up five of each of those. I was going to say, if you're in a hardcore band, you're selling a lot of, lot of double Doubles XLs. And triples. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing is, you know, I, I just remember the the old days where the smallest size you needed to order was XL because everybody would just buy an XL t-shirt. Especially in the 90s. Yeah. yeah. That was yeah. just kind of a look. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and, and that's kind of the interesting thing too. And 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 I've also and the reason I also love that stuff is I've also made t-shirt designs where I'm just like, this one's going to pop. Like of all our shirts, this is the one I feel like people are going to be like, oh shit, I, I've got to have sells, that. right? Sell maybe one or two. And then just a random idea I had in my head just being like, you know mm-hmm. what? I want that for myself. And I might as well put it on the site for a week or two, you know, just to see if someone wants it. Boom. That's been like some of our best selling ones. Right. Like, I think that, that was like our drinking again one. Or, I was just like, yeah, I just kind of want this one. And then that was like our best selling shirt for the <laughs> longest time. Or half the time we'll get, uh, we'll make some custom shirts for ourselves. Yeah. And then we'll post a picture of us wearing it online or whatever. And somebody will go, where can I get one of those? <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, uh, Give me five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I know I made I made a grave roller shirt for myself. Very labor intensive process. The way I did it. Yeah. Posted a picture of it. Like six people said, "I want that shirt. Will you make me one?" And I, my answer was no. <laughs> I, I won't because it's uh, you know, you would not want to pay what it, the amount of time and all the effort it takes to make one of these. That's when I was doing it with bleach. Mm. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. One. And speaking of uh, stuff you're making, those skate decks were awesome, oh, dude. Thank you. How long did that take you? Those were... It looked like an airbrush spray paint thing, wasn't it? It was spray paint. Yeah. But I ordered this stuff. Uh, my, my daughter, they have this rock at school you have to paint every year for their birthday and things like that. And I used, you know, just the rattle cans you can get at the at Lowe's or whatever yeah and I was like man these things they never cover that well and it's it's I said let me just order some of the graffiti spray paint yeah. I keep seeing it advertised I got jumped on Amazon and I got like a 12 pack of cans 
colors you just don't see anywhere. Painted her rock up, all that kind of stuff. And I had them left over. And when I started thinking about the skate decks, I said, you know, I could do something pretty cool with that. Yeah. So that was about, let's see, I'm trying to think of what I did first. I think I painted the light green. And in the light green, there's actually like some dark green misted in it. It's like a transition. I did notice a little bit of like a... uh, a fade in it yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a fade and then i i've got a vinyl cutter at home so i cut the vinyl out to cover the cover all the letters then i painted them black and then i put like a blue mist all the way around the edge Ooh, of it i didn't notice that it, it turned out really good hell yeah man. and uh but just the time it would take to do it yeah it's i'd love i'd love to sell them mm-hmm. but so that was gonna be my next work. question i was like how much time and energy and a product went into that and how much are you selling them because i do like picking up random decks from bands i like when they do it like i've got a dwarves deck and an anti scene deck i mean i saw that and i was like fuck i need a grave roll <laughs> <laughs> i'll be honest probably if i used a different deck mm-hmm. it would be a lot cheaper but it's like a decorative one kind yeah, of thing well, well what i did was i ordered a uh i found this place that made old school skateboards and this one's kind of shaped like if anybody remembers the old uh, Vision Psycho stick, it's kind of got scallop sides. They call it the oh, dragon yeah, yeah. I know and you're things like that. So it's, it's the old wide deck. Yeah. And given the you know some of the themes of the music we're writing, I, I was like, this would be appropriate. You know? I think so. And um, so I ordered those. The only prop that they were only charging me thirty bucks a deck, mm-hmm. at small order, high price. You know. Yeah, the, of course. The problem was is. They were they were charging me like forty bucks to ship them to me. Yeah, it's the weight. I was like, oh my god, forty bucks! It took me forever to finally go. All right, it's Christmas. I'll order them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You so this basically band member gifts kind of thing. Yeah, got yeah. you. Yeah. I hand, has Tony gotten his yet? Yeah, I hand him. I gotta see it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He got his. Um, they all have them right yeah. now. I think. No, there's one left, so I left somebody out. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Good job, Santa. <laughs> so if you wanted to make fill-ins. I, I was kind of going through dance. that mental math thing. But the thing was, it's like. No, we could, we could do that. The actual labor involved is not that much. It's, it's more material cost yeah you know i was just sitting here yeah. thinking i'm just like that bar logo would just look so fucking good filling up a deck it, as much as it could you know and, and the uh <laughs> and the fact that you know the yeah. modern skate decks are well, they're cheaper to buy in bulk you know well i know um clayton had a company um go he went through a company mm-hmm. to do the anti-scene ones and i remember that he was selling those and i know jeff he does not sell something at cost no. <laughs> <laughs> and uh he was still selling those for 40 dollars and was happy with that dude i think i paid like 90 for mine okay that was it a signed one it was a signed one okay, and they, shipped okay yeah i think he was i think he had like unsigned ones at a merch yeah. table something like that for like 40 or 50 and then yeah. the signed ones are a little bit more than then like probably another 15 for shipping that's well, this and the other you know uh, is is the cost worth it yeah i'd yeah. say i'd say it is mm-hmm. but how many are you of them are you going to sell when that's you're not a band as big as Anthony? exactly yeah. so i was i was thinking i would get maybe 10 just hold this 10 because yeah. because I, I feel like we haven't because I, I actually know a couple skateboarder friends that like our music and yeah. it's like i have a feeling maybe they would pick one up one for each of us so there's four right. or three you know this that and the other and then a couple left over like that and then enough to have one or two at the merch booth for just the random person that wants it right i mean i was telling someone for me to 
pretty much, let's see, break even just yeah. based on my time and materials and all that kind. Of, I'd almost have to sell them for a hundred bucks a piece. Ooh, yeah. And so the, it, it's not cost effective, and I would not want to sell somebody a hundred dollars skate. <laughs> no, and, yeah. and that's my thing too. It's like this hoodie. I mean, I've worn it almost every day for like you know three years. So right. yeah, it's worn the fuck out. Right. But I was tempted to offer up Phil's hoodies because I thought I had a pretty cool design on my right. hands. You know, put the emblem like we do on our you know band shirts. You know, like our live gear. So that'd be like the first time someone outside of the band could have something that looked right. like stage gear. And the back, you know, have it swapped out all the time for whatever new graphic we've got at the end of the day even just to make ten dollars on it i'd have to sell them for like 40 or 50 bucks yeah, yeah. and it's just like i could not in good conscience put that up on our site even though maybe one or two people would buy them right i would get that uh, feeling when they did purchase it, even though they willingly did it right there was just, there would be a part of me that just went oh man you so, spent that much money on something it's like you're cheating <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it, it is that is what it feels like uh-huh. um, you know even though like 20 bucks is like if you were to walk into a record store 20 bucks is a good price for a record yeah nobody I, we seem to find a lot of resistance of people wanting to pay that mm-hmm. for like a local band right? yeah yeah they're like no it should be five bucks i'm like no, it cost, it cost me more than that a piece. Yeah, you know. Well, the skateboards too. Do you, do you? I would expect you know if I'm making a skateboard, I would want folks that buy it to skate on it to use it. You know, yeah, or, or use it as a decorative piece. I think that's what more more people than not yeah. Yeah. use these skateboards for, just to put on their walls, right? I, I do have to tell you though, uh, if if they're going to skate them, you need to have a place that'll print them for you. Yeah, and I think that's what the anti scene ones were. There, I think they were printed. Yeah, yeah. No, and the uh, and and that's the thing is, I I think exactly what you were saying, Caps. I think a lot of people are just using them as decoration because a lot of them are signed too. Yeah, like my anti scene deck signed. I have a dwarves one, and it's yeah. signed by the whole band. And it's just like you you know that people aren't throwing trucks on that shit and using it if it's signed by the band no i did i did sign these decks but i signed them on i guess the what, flip side what would be on the flip side i just i signed them and put the date on it yeah because i have so many things around i'm like oh yeah i remember who made this for me but i don't remember when i got it yeah so yeah. and honestly i used to do that for myself like i have an old nintendo system up mm-hmm. the old nes and on the very bottom of it there's a little piece of plastic you can pop off mm-hmm. there's nothing underneath nothing there's no like connection nothing you just take this piece off and it's just hard plastic yeah. but what i did one year was uh, i had gotten that as a christmas present from my aunt right so i actually put a sticky note in there i said from elizabeth year blah blah blah, blah and just put it in there and clicked it back in that way if i ever wanted to remember what year i got it from i could just unclick it and just see the year no that's a good idea you came to that thought a lot earlier than i did yeah and, <laughs> and again it was because i also knew like for some reason even when i was younger when i got like a game system something mm-hmm. in my head clicked going i want another one of these right. like this exact one i don't know why i can't use two of them <laughs> and it's like and i never asked but right. it's like in my head i went when i get older i want another one of these yeah that's <laughs> i'm that <laughs> never way under- with guitar it's like all of a sudden it's like i think that was the first time i understood a collector mentality yeah. like i didn't understand why i wanted another one. i have mm-hmm. one why do i want another one? Oh, but if i get another one i can 
I might feel more comfortable to take this one apart. And then, ooh, if if this one breaks and if I learn how to take this, I can swap them out. <laughs> and it's like that's when the gear started kind of turning on that. So At I almost wanted age. to like have different things categorized. That way I knew what came from what. Right, right, right. <laughs> I think that was me with Star Wars figures. It's like I can get just get Jabba, but I could also get the entire palace. Yes. <laughs> All the obscure characters. Oh, man, when they were out, I was broke. Uh, or, or my, actually, my family was. I mean, we mm. were at Kmart, and I'd ask for a, a Star Wars figure, and they basically uh, said, my mom or my dad said, well, no, we can't afford it. And I think uh, what my, stuck in my dad's brain, it's funny what sticks with you. Mm-hmm. Apparently, at some point in time, I asked my dad, when can we afford it? <laughs> I, oh, keep boy. in mind, yeah, I was a little kid. I was know. a little kid. Yeah. I did not know. We're talking like probably eight or under. Yeah, exactly. And uh, what's funny is uh, when my dad started his business, and I mean, we'd been going probably five or six years for my birthday one year, they bought me a bag of Star Wars figures. <laughs> and they said, Yes, we can afford it. <laughs> and I was like, That's awesome. I just love hearing stuff like that about like, things you don't expect a kid to say that you're not prepared for. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I did that same shit. The, the reason I was, partly the reason I was making that face is I wound up doing that same shit one time, uh, mm-hmm. just completely naively. But um, we were in Target and I noticed mom was like filling up the cart. You know, it's right. like she was getting a bunch of clothes and like Katie was getting things right. and like stepdad was putting in a couple of things he was looking for. And it's like we had finally started passing the toy, toy aisle. So mm-hmm. I started kind of making my way down there and I found a Spider-Man figure. And even as a kid, you know, we didn't grow up with a lot of money. Right. So it's like I understood the value of a dollar. Right. And it's like and I found one that was like six dollars that I was genuinely one. And I was like, hmm. I walk over there. I was like, can I have this? And Ricky just takes one look at it and goes, no, we can't afford that. And it's like, and then I look at the cart, mm-hmm. and I look at this, and I said, "You can afford all of that, but you can't afford this." And that was like the last time I asked for something for a while. Oh goddamn, because the kid's that's smart. Because that's not the thing you say as a kid. No, 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 no. You don't question the parent spending habits. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> yep, I uh, I learned that night to uh, not question. <laughs> But no, talking about weird um, merch purchases or like merch ideas, though, like have you like what's probably the one thing like maybe off the wall you think that would be kind of fun for Grave Rollers to do? Because you did the uh, toe tags and that's something kind of a little off the wall. What's maybe something else that's like maybe you don't see a lot of bands do, but it'd be kind of interesting to have a Grave Rollers. You know, there's God, there's a ton of cool stuff that unfortunately I look at them as giveaways. Yeah. Me too. Me you too. Know, they'd have to be giveaways. We did stickers, and we just give those away. We don't charge anything. Um, God, right offhand, man. Um, yeah, because you basically, it's been uh, ex- there's a lot of accessories to Grave Rollers merch. Yeah, honestly, well, to kind of grease the wheels, one for mine. And I've seen a lot of websites promoting it, but mm-hmm. I can never get the graphic large enough to where I'm happy with it. Right. Custom Ray Bands. Oh, I've seen a lot of places offering up just those black Ray-Ban sunglasses, and I think the bar logo would look really cool across the side. It's just they never offer a large enough area to where yeah. it would actually that's, be predominant. That's one of the things we run into. I mean, our it's not so much the logo because we don't have really a set logo, mm-hmm. but the font we use. Right. It gets too small. It's illegible. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's why, that's why most of our stuff is like at least 
two inches round you know and honestly i I, i'll say maybe not a lot of bands do we don't you don't see a lot of local bands do this i think the album cover logo with the drips the ones that you did on the uh, skateboard i think stacked on top of each other like great rollers would look good as an enamel pin i think so maybe like a glow in the dark one because you know how you get the glow in the dark finishes i think that'd actually be pretty cool yeah and i guess that this is good because i need to talk to people that aren't aren't me because it's like hey we have enamel pins i'm like i don't want an enamel pin oh yeah yeah i got i don't i don't pin up my jackets a lot or anything like that i just don't know why i just Mm -hmm. don't right but honestly yeah i would i'm not against it i I personally would put one on my jacket because i i'm finding myself kind of moving away from the traditional one inch one and a half inch pins like uh even our last batch of pins i got silver two inch circle right. bolt buttons and it's like yeah they're bigger maybe not a lot of people will use them but they look so different than a traditional pin especially because they have that silver underlayment to it right. so it has like that silk shimmery no. kind of spark to that, it and has that circular you know it's a circular kind of logo too yeah. so it works as a pin i mm-hmm. guess the, i guess the one inch pins we i have done in the past not for the grave rollers but there was a time where the band i was playing in uh we were kind of working a circuit Mm-hmm. if you will yeah and a lot of the same bands would show up and it almost became like just pin trading yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. that pin disney tra- has now capitalized on <laughs> see pins uh, stickers and yeah. even uh even tommy ray he may still have some on his guitar strap yeah that's where we used to put them and then i you know then i started making guitar straps for me and the other guitar player mm-hmm. at the time and things like that and I don't know, man. It's just I, I'd rather I'd rather people get the music. Mm-hmm. I, I totally like feel if, that. If, if you're going to get the music, and then it also comes into unless you're a band that's really making money on the road. Yeah, uh, somebody pays for it. Oh, somebody yeah. pays yeah. for all mm-hmm. the stuff, you mm-hmm. know. And at a point, that person's going to stop wanting to pay for it. Yep. You know. Oh yeah. It's all about uh, when the diminishing returns keep diminishing and things yeah. like that now there's a lot of things you know that that we'll do just because we think they're fun yeah like the toe the toe tags we didn't order those yeah you just had them yep no brought john brought them home from work yeah you know yeah that's what i meant by just had <laughs> he, them. he said we, we we don't use these at work so mm-hmm. here you know and, and that was a perfect little thing for that and uh, and kind of like with ours like what you said giveaways you got because yeah. giveaway items it's We'll talk about it on the show because if you listen to the show, you're interested in us enough. It's like one of the things that hopefully this coming year, the two little gimmicky items, mm-hmm. one will be a giveaway, one's definitely not going to be a giveaway, but lighters. Yeah. Because because everyone's always looking for a fucking lighter. Hey, you right. got a lighter? You got a lighter? Yes, I do. Have yep. this. Yeah. You know, so boom, that's a That'd perfect a little idea. giveaway. And then again, because I was trying to think of stuff what's long and right. would look good with the logo. And the secondary thing, not free people listening, not free, <laughs> is we are going to get enamel pins done. Right. But we're going to do it differently. They're not going to be like those soft, like kind of enamel pins. Right. It's actually going to look like hard brushed metal. Oh, okay. So it's all cool. Because you, you've seen, like, I'm not wearing it, but you've seen, like, my yeah. belt buckle. It's basically going to look like a shrunk down version of my belt buckle. Right. And so right. it's like, that to me is going to look really cool. So not free. They're expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we'll hopefully have those in a couple months along with lighters. And again, if you see me, I'll give you a fucking lighter. I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, obviously I'm not talking about when the pandemic's going on where money is tight for everybody. Everyone, yeah. Um, and I, I think that's one of the reasons I kind of put merch stuff on the back burner. Same here. Because I'm like, you know look i'm not gonna 
I'm not going to try to fleece people for every dime I can get. At this mm-hmm. point, I'm just happy if you buy a record. Yeah. You know. Honestly, the most. And, and I'll be honest. I even, actually, the last record I sold, I kept trying to convince the person to just meet me somewhere to save them five bucks. I was going to have to spend, they were going to have to for spend to ship it. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I'm the same way. I honestly didn't start pushing our merch again until November-ish. Mm-hmm. Only, and it wound up working in favor because surprisingly enough, a couple people actually got Phil's records for Christmas presents, and I was just like, "Oh shit, that was actually kind of cool." Oh, yeah. um, so you know, I'm glad I kind of pushed those again. But no, basically throughout the whole year, I didn't push merch at right. all, and I'm only just now pushing it again because we're trying to pick up and kind of do stuff again. So hey, let's can let's no, get a little I, bit money I, back I in the it. machine again. But I but, we, but the one piece of merch we did last year, we gave away for free. Uh, we did masks. Yep, uh, oh, we, okay. we did those circle bolt masks. So uh, Danny and I, we uh, we put our money together. We made up like twenty or thirty of them, mm-hmm. and we just gave them away to a bunch of people. That just hit me up first in the inbox. And that's the one that's got the something good for you on the other side. No, we uh, we made those specifically for me and Cap. Oh, okay, uh, and, and then whoever. a handful of yeah. other people, yeah. uh, mainly through the uh, Discord. That's By the way, I'm... sign up in the um, thing in the fucking episode description. <laughs> I actually had thought about doing grave roller mask. Yeah. Once again, it comes down to quantity, mm-hmm. the the amount you have to buy to get the price per item down. Yeah, you know, so that and plus, I still personally feel weird about selling masks. Yeah, I could see that. It's like I still feel a little well, weird about I think, selling them. I think at them. this point, I would not feel weird about selling masks because pretty much everybody has some mask now yeah now everybody that's true and now everybody's true. buying masks that they think look cool and things like right. that you okay. can get your right. surgical right. mask okay. you can get surgical okay. mask at a fucking at the 7-eleven down yeah. the road from us yeah now. you can okay yeah you're, now, you're right you, you that, know, that's when, a very good point when it first hit and there were none mm-hmm. but that now, was a little different but now that they're everywhere everybody's got something you know i don't care if they made it or whatever everybody has something so it's mm-hmm. not like i'm saying hey you need this but you got to buy it from me yeah, that's very true. I, I guess I, I didn't rather, think I, on it that deep. I'd rather yeah, you're sell right. something that you want versus something that, you know, oh, this is the only place I can get it. Yeah, and exactly. That's something good for you, Mask, was one of those where I was talking about earlier where we start wearing it in photos and folks are like, where can I get one of those? Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, those, and that was kind of in the beginning of the pandemic. Like, people were starting to be able to get their hands on them, but they right. were, it was still a little bit of a topic. <clears throat> and when I told people on that one, I was like, hey, I use this website and I like right. send it to them and like so they could see the price. And I'm just right. like, it's this much. I don't want any extra from you, but it does cost this much. So right. if you want, send me this much. It's gonna and then send me like an extra two or three bucks for shipping. I said, and I'll just get it sent out to you. So those people just paid at cost right. just to be able to get it done. And and which again, I'm happy for that. There's right. it's literally no money off my nose. Right. You know, hey, if you want to pay that price, you go right ahead. Yeah. <laughs> that I, kind of thing. I still hate that the hate energy didn't take off or we didn't sell it like and we sold barely any and even then that was like pulling teeth no. to get it to uh, okay so i'll peel back the curtain a little bit on that one it's not that we didn't sell any we sold all of them all right we sold every can i think i've only got maybe four or five left just for like history like posterity reasons uh, still in the kitchen but people would buy them like we talked about with skate decks yeah. you know they would just buy them as collector's items they just keep them in the fridge and be like yeah. oh remember that one time i saw that band on tour and yeah. uh, except for when we got distribution at common market yeah when we put them in common market people were actually going in regularly purchasing them and drinking them and we were doing pretty good on that the problem was it was at a good price point they were uh, 2.99 right we were purchasing them for 250 
Yeah. Right. We were making no money on them right. at all. And it was disappointing because you and Mikey crafted these drinks to be good energy drinks. Yeah, and, and, I, and I genuinely loved them. And it's like, and they were good. And it's like, but if we were, if we had been able to really put in a big mm. order, we couldn't have made money on them. But even all the way up to like three to four times the amount we were purchasing right, at a time right, right. still wouldn't have been worth it. Like we would have been maybe making a dollar on them at that point. Right. And it's like, it's like, I literally saw a number like if we had been able to uh, order X amount, right. we could have gotten them for like 75 cents each. Right. And I'm like, fuck, that's the money right there. Yeah. If I could get them for 75 cents each, fucking put them up there for 250. Yeah. Boom. It's like it's cheaper than it was before. We're making more money on it. We're going to sell more products. Yep. So I was just like, I was like bummed for it. But it was like over a thousand. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I'm just like, Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> then, then you then you got to deal with the distribution and all this kind of jazz. And yeah, it's, uh, and then like the closets of closets full of cans that I, you're just sitting on waiting for that return. I, yeah. I, I, I genuinely, I think, I think you know, with more people getting more familiar with local bands and things like that, it's getting better. But genuinely, I don't think people had an idea of what stuff actually cost. You know, I think so. I honestly think so. And I think that even within the last two years, bands have become a lot more transparent. Yeah, I think a lot to be. Exactly. I think a lot more bands were holding up that veneer of, you know, we are a band. This is what we do. Don't worry about the back end. We'll only worry about the output kind of thing. Last two years, I've seen a lot more bands talking about the back end and explaining, hey, you know, right now we're having a problem with our, you know, Instagram. You're not seeing our posts, you know, right. and it's like, hey, you know, if that's fine, cool. Just hit the unfollow button because this actually helps our algorithm, you know, right. that kind of thing. Explaining more, being like, hey, you're hindering people that actually are interested. So if you are interested, hit like. If you're not, just please unfollow us, yeah. that kind of thing. And I don't know how other bands do it, but, uh, you know, I think the price point for an album that you sell it should be roughly twice your cost. Okay. And my rationale. Oh yeah, for, yeah, yeah. My, I know, my I know rationale for that. Let's just say you order a hundred, a hundred records. Okay. If you sell them for twice your cost, by the time you've sold fifty, then you've you've covered that initial outlay. Yep. The other fifty will then go to recording another album. Yes. You know, it's not like anybody's really going to walk away with money in their pocket. Mm-hmm. It just dips. It take how little you have to take out of your pocket. Exactly. You you don't do it to make money. You make money to fund to fund the next thing. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. No. So it's it's like, hey, you know, you want another Grave Rollers record? Well, hey, buy the buy the last one. Yeah. It'll go a long way to getting that out sooner. And I found that a, a really interesting way of going about it, and it's almost so diametrically diametrically different from the way traditional music industry things have been done in the past right but i actually found success in and another band did this too putting out the album online first right and then taking record orders Right. Especially if they don't know who you are. They don't know who you are cuz think about it. We, you're you're expecting someone to spay to I mean, sorry, you're going to have to pay $20 for a right. brand new record, whether a local band. Good God, if it's a national band, you're paying 25 for the record. Right. So mm-hmm. a $20 local record, you're expecting them to pay 20 bucks on something they have not heard? I understand that. 
But, so but for me, you're kind of preaching could, to the choir because we did that. Oh, okay, we, yeah, we, yeah. we put the music out digitally, and uh, but then the other our other angle on that was well, for people that don't come across it digitally, mm-hmm. then uh, sell it at the show. Yeah, if you enjoyed the show. Hence, we had, nobody's had any shows in so freaking long. Yeah, I, I got a stack just like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I'm pointing to our first stack of things. I have another stack exactly like that in the closet. Right, yeah. right up to diminishing returns earlier. I'm happy we did it, but hey, we have also. Awesome oh, I've had cards. several people ask me. They go, "Oh, you got it on vinyl. Was it worth it?" I said. You, you mean personally or financially? <laughs> personally, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> financially? Oh, hell no. No, no. <laughs> After about a year, they're just like, they're still here. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and the deal but it's is. Like, I'm trying not to get too bummed out on it because exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. We've not played shows in a year. Right. I Absolutely. would like to think at least maybe one of those boxes would be gone by now. And the point of having these is to bring two shows to sell to the people. Absolutely. Right. So, Absolutely. so that's why I'm saying it's like I would at least hope that maybe one of those boxes would be gone by now after a year. But it's like, eh, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. We'll get 200. 50 dates next year yeah, and yeah, they'll we'll all just be- stay on the road <laughs> <laughs> leave them at hotels that way we feel like we sold a there lot more <laughs> the other thing you know if it, uh, i mean we've given a couple away and things yeah. like that but no uh it, it was for us it was an ego yeah. project but and it's kind of a business card if you're trying to pitch it to you know folks you want to collaborate with yeah, absolutely. studio-wise and things like that absolutely i think that's one of the i'm trying to remember why i didn't put any credits on the back just moving fast, maybe? Uh, it was moving fast, but I also was trying to figure out, well, how do you put the names of the band members on it? Mm-hmm. And I was like, do you just put it like under on the back of our album? There's a picture of all all four of us leaning against the car. Right. And uh, I was like, do you put it under each one mm-hmm. or do you or do you list out vocals, you know, bass, right. guitar, all that kind of jazz? And I, I got messing with it, and I was like, hey, you know what? The hell with it. <laughs> and I just left it off. Yeah, that because, makes sense. I you guess. know, I, I, think, I think anybody that knows us personally mm-hmm. will know that we're in that band. Oh, yeah, but of then, course. Yeah, then, so I'd rather have the band itself kind of stand on its own name, if you will. Yeah, yeah makes sense. Bit a little mystery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I, I guess oh, I've there's always no, been... There's no mystery. I'm pretty recognizable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess just there's always been a part of me that and I think that's part of the reason I never really fell in love with like CDs and why I like vinyl records and yeah. even like digital stuff is kind of eh, is because I've always been a fan of like the liner notes and like right. reading all the little things on it. So like our releases, I have to like trim it. It's like I wind up getting too wordy. It's like I try to put so much shit in our stuff that it's like I have to pull it back some even to the point where um for uh, Cap, no need to explain yet, but a thing that we're doing, I just kept asking him, like, was there anything else? He's like, no, no, that was it. It's like a couple hours later, I'm like, are you sure we're not missing something? Because it was only like this tiny little bit of like information. Right. And I'm just like, it feels like we're missing something, man. He's like, well, I mean, I'm like, all right, give me some thanks. He's like, oh, okay, fine. So he's like, you list out a bunch. I'm like, no, give me some more. That's like two names. <laughs> so it's like, finally, I made it look right. And I'm like, see, this is what I'm talking about. He goes, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And, that on, a C- and on a CD pack, we've done a CD 
uh, pack were on the back of it. We put all the liner notes and like oh, all yeah. of the uh, the gear we, <laughs> we, we the gear we want sponsored. Just to be cute with it. <laughs> the fill-ins use Gibson gear, not sponsored. Would like to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say I use uh, Fender everything. Fender, if you're listening, sponsor the Schnafkin. <laughs> Actually, I'll ask you this: um, Have you ever added any like Easter eggs or like inside jokes and artwork or something like that? I I, I definitely have. Mm-hmm. I, uh, not on this album, though. right? Not on this album. Actually, I think the 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 title of the album was the inside joke amongst us. Table for one. Yeah, because that's actually um, that's something that apparently. Our uh, our drummer says at work when he when it's time to, for a new table, or he gets as he calls them a new client. Uh, well, I mean, he, he'll go table for one and lay them out. And that was the joke. And he told us that, and he told us some other. You know, you got to think in a profession like that, you've got to have a sense of humor. Absolutely. So medics medics also have. The, He's an like, embalmer, by the way. So yeah, yeah, medics also have like the most twisted sense of humor because it's like again, you got to think about all the crap they see. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, stuff that they're just numb to at this point. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's just it's like we were somewhere and all of us were complaining about the smell, and John's like, I don't even notice it. We're like, what? <laughs> he goes, man, I smell all kinds of stuff throughout the day. He goes, you just get to the point where you're. It doesn't even register anymore. You know? <laughs> you say the morgue or a hog farm. That's what I should ask him. Yeah. What smells worse? <laughs> mm. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Livestock or now I can th- I, I think the only little inside joke or like little secretive things we've included in our records is I think I think our grooves kind of have little jokes in them. Well, I was going to say on the first record, Hipster Killers, uh, there's a secret bonus track that's not on the digital versions. It was only on the CD of like right. outtakes. And then Fifth Time's the Charm, we have a hidden bonus track of Ignorance is Bliss. Yeah. Uh, we put that tacked out on at the very end. I don't think I don't think Time has now had anything, but that had that that had just a lot of liner notes. Oh yeah. I, I remember what that was. Okay, I was kind of putting that together as like a package because it had like other singles and stuff and the artwork on the inside harking back to some of those pieces. That's yeah. what that was. I know what I was gonna say about liner notes. My favorite liner notes were when the sleeve itself mm-hmm. the no, oh, the not record the, not sleeve. the outer jacket, the inner sleeve yeah. had all all the notes and yeah. all that kind of stuff on it. And I think maybe that's now, the more I think about it, that could be more what was in my head. That makes I, sense. Because, you know, I'd buy albums and j- it would just have like a picture of the band on the back and then mm-hmm. something on the front. Right. Then you pull out the liner notes and you find out, oh, look at all this kind of stuff. That uh-huh. makes sense. We'll do that with uh, all the Swedish records we buy where, where we're like, all right, who played on this track? And every every track has a has different personnel on it. Yeah, and, yeah. and that was kind of how it was when I was buying Frank Zappa records and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. Going like, who played on this track? The, oh, he did this on, he did the piano on this and this. That's awesome. And you Unless know you buy a Kiss album, they credit Gene with bass on every song. <laughs> <laughs> and, but you know what's cool though is, can't bring that up, it did remind me. So a little backstory on that. For uh, Christmas, Eric uh, sent me two Robert Person Humbucker records. Oh, nice. And, um, those uh, bands over in Sweden and stuff, they don't really do a lot of like the online liner notes. Like, right. They don't do a lot of the personnel stuff. So it's like when we get the physical copies, yeah. we genuinely do have like a 70s, 80s moment where like both of us just sit down on the couch. Right. It's like I, we had two records. Yeah. It's like I handed him one. I pulled out the other. We're just like comparing notes going like, oh, okay, so that mm-hmm. guy played on that. Okay, that's why that sounds similar. 
oh shit, he's an Imperial State Electric. That's why oh, I've heard okay. that voice before. Was, and like and like drawing all these weird little connections. It's, it's cool to actually do that. I was 15 years old, just, you know, again, oh, yeah. just looking at all that, reading what record company they were a part of right. and shit like that. Right. And, and, you know, kind of going back to what we were talking about of, of cost versus returns, mm-hmm. um, it becomes exponentially more expensive to get printed sleeves yes it's like an mm-hmm. extra 500 bucks yeah yeah and you're like mm. fine i'll just take the regular paper ones fine. yeah fuck I'll, you I'll, I'll just, <laughs> i'm already spending a small fortune on this yeah <laughs> you know? no and that because because uh, cap uh took care of like the main bulk of the record uh yeah. pressing it and it's like i got it down to like the bare minimums i was just like this is black and white labels yeah. it's like I, we, we need a color front i'm sorry buddy but it's like we need a color front hey the random color vinyl it's the same price as the black so we'll go right. with that and, <laughs> you know and, it's like it's like we found all the little things we could do and i'm just like if you want to throw an extra hundred bucks in there we need the download mm. codes you know it's like there are tiny little nick picks that we had to have but i'm like we don't need color labels right we don't need the printed inner sleeves we don't need this we don't need this especially I, when you're order, ordering in bulk a, a right. big bulk that you plan on touring with and plus right. also fingers crossed you actually you know sell enough to you know get a little return on it the repress is cheap as oh yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so it's like all of a sudden it's like hey you know what let's order a hundred glow-in-the-dark copies right. you know right. it's, it's like all of a sudden it's you're it's worth it's the time the, it, it's the plates that cost the money the stamping yep. plates yeah yeah the, what are they like close to like a grand two grand that alone yeah yeah, that's what you're paying for, really, mm-hmm. in the the big chunk of it. Yeah, because after that, it's like for the quantity you're wanting, take away that price of the plate. Right. The your actual record cost winds up being like seven or eight bucks a yeah. copy. Right. <laughs> but because of that plate, oh yeah, it adds an additional like ten bucks cost and, and <laughs> to here, each copy. And here's, and here's the deal. <laughs> I, I think that's something that gets missed a little bit. You know, it's not like you just order five no and that costs less because nope as you were mentioning the run is not the expensive part no it's the initial setup mm-hmm. yeah and you have to have order it's just, just like if anybody's out there has ever ordered custom sticker i'm sorry Ken. no custom stickers or whatever and they hit you that 30 dollar screen press uh, that's 30 dollar uh art fee yep or they call it setup fee mm-hmm. well if you're gonna pay 30 bucks and then 45 cents a sticker well you know what you need to get enough stickers to make up for that <laughs> oh yeah exactly cost. and guess what you'll be giving away a lot of them for free anyway absolutely and that was even the situation we ran into when we were figuring out exactly how many copies we should order mm-hmm. because it's like I, I had reached a certain number and it was a price and i was right. just like huh just for the hell of it i typed in a hundred extra more it knocked the price down yeah that's why we, just by ordering a hundred more we saved money yeah that's that's why we got the number printed we did yeah isn't that crazy and that's why that, we're sitting on a lot mainly because it was, was actually the, cheaper to get more exactly that was the price break point yeah you know which is why we're not asking 35 dollars for an album because mm-hmm. yeah. we were about to like, what did i say like that 10 extra dollars yeah. cost per and then the eight you know mm-hmm. for everything else you're looking at 18 dollars already at a cost right it's like if, if we can knock that down a few more bucks yeah if we can get it down to like roughly i think we got ours at like 11 or 12 it's yeah. like yeah we will sell ours at 20. Yeah. it's like and we don't mind being transparent on that because right. it's like look we spent a lot of money on this so it's like we know vinyl collectors dig that stuff and, and the yep. other the other thing that 
you if you really want to be truthful, factor in your studio cost. We don't even talk about that. You know, <laughs> you know it's like, <laughs> we those, almost just look those, at that as those, the necessity. And, not, and, and not, for those not, who don't like, know, it's it's and uh, not Joe Blow at your uh, next next door or anything with right, his home no. setup, but like a proper studio right. with folks that know what they're doing. Yeah, so there's the cost to record. Then you get some mixing with that. It's not unusual to then go to someone else to fully mix the album. Yep, and then masters. And then mastering on top of that. And then you have to have your digital master and your vinyl master. Oh, yeah. The vinyl master is completely different than the digital. Uh Uh-huh. Learned that from uh, John Bowman, actually. Yeah. And and what was actually interesting is, fun fact about our record, the digital version Mm -hmm. is a slightly tweaked version of the vinyl record. Yeah, because he sent me what would be a digital mix and it didn't sound as good. And I was like, hey, man, I said, can you take that vinyl mix, add a little more bass and boost up the volume for me? Like put it back up at, you know, peak levels for me or, you know, right before peak. I said, Mm -hmm. you know, just crank up a little more bass because you have to cut that for, you know, release. He sent that back to me. I was like, holy fuck. I said, man, can I use this as the master? He goes, right. yeah, go ahead. And he just sent me the WAV files of that. So I literally, like, right before Spotify or right before CD Baby was about to be like, you can't make any more changes. Right. You know, like, literally two <laughs> days before, I'm like, ah, no, 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 no. And when I deleted everything and I went back in and resubmitted it with the new digital or the new master tracks. And I'll, I'll give these guys a plug. Um, what I use for digital releases and things like that is a, a website called Discord. Yeah, I know a lot of folks that use uh, Discord, or is it DistroKid? DistroKid. Distro Kid. Kid. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. not Discord. Discord's what you're on. <laughs> DistroKid. <laughs> I, I can't remember what the monthly fee is. I think it's like, tw- or, or it's a yearly fee. Yeah, it? well, it's, it's, like it's pretty inexpensive. Like, it's like 20 or 30 bucks a year. Yeah. And then you can upload all your songs for free. But the way I looked at it is, you know, if I get hit by a bus, as soon as I don't pay that, they all come down. Yeah. They have a legacy thing. Ooh. So you can upload all your, like, upload an album mm-hmm. and then pay 35 bucks. It'll stay up there forever. Yeah. And, and, that, and that's how CD Baby works. Cause when, when I first joined up with CD Baby, they were talking about, uh, each release being like ten dollars a year, and I'm just like, good God, that that yeah. seems expensive. But I was, but that was when we were just at one record, and I'm right. just like, well, fuck it, you know, I'll yeah. pay ten dollars for the year, and I'll read up, renew it next year, and maybe find a new service by then. Right. CD Baby has yet to recharge me for any record, and I've like paid close attention to yeah. like the payouts and the transactions and stuff. I've never seen them bill me again for another record, so they may have changed that and whatnot. But yeah, it seems to be like the flat fee with CD Baby at least is like you just pay that and you're right. good. And that could be what uh, I think uh, DistroKid's doing a similar yeah. thing. Yeah, because I know that a lot of these companies are shifting and changing stuff all the time to try to meet artist demands right. and crap like that. But so. this one was, I mean, after I finally figured out that I was making mistakes loading things. Once it finally got going, it it's run perfectly smooth. I think CD Baby's the only one I've really d- messed with with any group I've been a part of, like uh, with whether it's you guys or Kelsey or my shit. It's um, always been through CD Baby. I've used TuneCore also. Um, I used TuneCore to- is the other one. Yeah, I use TuneCore only because uh, they had cheaper single releases. Okay. Uh, so oh, okay. I, so I wound up using TuneCore for. Um, 
Terror Time and Lock and Load. Okay. But um, but to be honest, everything else, it, like even the Return to Cinder and No Long Way to Go, I just use CD Baby after that. I, I didn't like having to log into two different things to like look at my payouts of the half a cents I'm getting and all that crap. I was so, say, right. They're both just all just doing the same thing anyway, right? They really were. So I was just like, it's not worth the maybe $10 discount I'm getting just to have to log into two different places. Right. So I, I just keep it all on CD Baby now. It's easier. <laughs> did we get a phone what was that the phone uh <laughs> i had no idea what that was <laughs> yeah it's, it's just the phone next to the recorder oh my my it's, apology it's, it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> um, it's the aliens 2021 starting with the bang motherfuckers much. well i i, 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 apologize, I apologize to anyone who did not tune in for inside diy band um, well no that's what happens on something good for you man that's why i like about this show is we just go in without a topic and we just roll man it's just like the yeah. comedians that get on and they just talk about you know the comedy Comic business yeah and, you know we're musicians we do do the music oh, yeah. business i like listening to talks like this on other shows and things like that so and, do i and hell and this this is even a good little roundup and and it stays on topic i mean what are you guys trying to do for 2021 music wise tour <laughs> other than play shows. aside from playing shows we have we got a bunch of songs uh i won't call they're not a hundred percent fleshed out yet but we we've got the the structure and the idea of them and we typically don't put like a hard stamp like a hard stop on song development until we record it that makes sense i believe it i believe that it's just one of those things it's like somebody will they'll be playing it one time and do something we're like hey we like that keep it yeah Yeah. you know or something will change in the studio like a lyric or a lyric or a guitar part oh the lyrics change constantly until they are on a record mm-hmm. and even after <laughs> they will change you know i'll come in with like i, I think with the, the two songs i recorded i came in with like one that was like 90 percent done with a couple of questions and i would ask those two questions to get feedback and then go from there right yeah. now and hell i i've talked about it a few times on the show that is my kryptonite i am the worst with lyrics like literally even record never heard of them there were days in the car ride over, I had out my phone, looking at like one or two lines that all they had were question marks going, no, that still doesn't work. Fuck, fuck, fuck. And like literally like hat and like finally typing out like the last word as like we're stopping at the studio. And I'm just like, and now I'm just like rehearsing it in my head over and over and over before we start recording. And something else I think is, it was the first time I ever did it was uh, have somebody else sit in on the vocal session. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, someone you actually trust, though. Right. <laughs> Especially if the guy. T- that- Tony and I don't always talk the nicest to each other, <laughs> but but he understands what I'm saying. Yeah. He's like, don't just sit there and look at me. I said, well, you got to understand. I'm trying to process what what I heard. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know? And also because and then, and then you, you're not a vocalist I, by trade. No, so. and, and I get that. You had the most judgmental face in the world. And I was like, it's just how I look, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he'll, oh, he'll get like that with me sometimes. Like, I, I, I went off on something like that. He, and he was just like, well, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I'm like, you didn't hurt my feelings. I was like, I'm just saying, yada, yada, yada. He's like, well, I'm sorry. It starts becoming all patronizing. I'm no, like, no, no, no. I, I don't want to. And, and it's just now, so now, weird. He never, he never did that with me. <laughs> oh, it was like, but we also have like the older brother, younger yeah, brother yeah, mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he'll pick on me a lot more. Yeah, I know. I know. I know that that only happened one time. And I think it was like after his first vocal take. Uh, and I was 
I, I had listened to it and I had heard a few things. And I was trying to f- say, well, how do I ex- how do I explain what I heard? Yeah. You know? And that's also a difficult thing, especially talking with any musician, uh, even yeah. like a drummer. You know, God, fucking drummers. Uh, <laughs> even you guys are getting like Spinal Tap now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's beyond Spinal Tap, dude. Oh, dude it's not even it's, funny anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be funny. There's now this guy named like, Roland. He'll, he'll play whatever you tell him to. <laughs> <laughs> Man, he, he's he's expensive, but I've been looking at him online. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the band that that actually they? They were kind of like when the industrial metal stuff was going on. Mm-hmm. It was a band that was essentially a guitar player, a bass player, and a drum machine. <laughs> new, so, new Order? <laughs> no, no, no. It was a no. It was heavy, man. But it's probably Ministry or something like that. I can see how. I, I want to say it was. God, I can't. I can't remember the name. It slips my head. They're yeah. the band that's playing in the movie um, Hideaway. Okay. If you ever sure. say it, it never saw it's a Jeff either. Goldblum movie, okay. so you kind of got to sit through Jeff Goldblum. But <laughs> there's a night, there's a night nightclub scene, and that band is playing there. Gotcha. Nice. But, but, but yeah, no. Even just even talking with like a drummer, if you if you don't play drums, trying to explain and, and listen, just like talking about our last year, is any right. drummer trying to explain? You know, hey, maybe here it's a da 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 da, and for some reason, whatever beat you're trying to explain isn't matching the time signature they have in their head like it's always that extra beat right. on a fill or something and you're like no 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 is it's you're one extra off and then they'll cut out two and you're like mm, you cut out two it's, it's a ba ba I, I think you've just have not had good experiences with drummers <laughs> well i think i think with drummers and i, I i'll fall yeah, in, I'll, fall I agree. This, I'll fall in this trap too with cutting guitar solos and things like that where it's like you got to retrain your brain around yeah. certain you know ideas that that were outside of your head right. that you had initially going into it. If somebody gives you a suggestion, I, I would imagine it's specifically for a drummer with time signatures and movement that you've got to train your brain to do what they're asking for. Yeah. Oh, and the other, the other thing I've found is, you know, obviously, I mean, it's like playing with John, probably the best drummer I've ever played with. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, uh, but what you can tell him, you kind of need to develop a shorthand. Yeah. It was like, hey, can you pull back on that a little bit? Mm-hmm. Then he's like, oh, oh, okay, okay, yeah. I see what you're saying. Well, see, that's also the benefit of working with a drummer for a long time. We don't ever have the benefit of getting to work <laughs> with someone long enough to get a fucking shorthand with them. By the time we start getting our yeah, fucking and, language, they leave. And in all fairness, I I knew John for God, probably close to like since 2008. Yeah, it's like Cap and I. We've got that shorthand together. Like when it comes to guitar stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like um, Tommy and I do too. Mm-hmm, because uh, th- there's been times I've sat in on like him doing a guitar session, and nine times out of ten, I just sit back and let him play. And I, I, most I'll really do is like, "Hey, you're doing good. Yeah, keep that one. Up. Ooh, I like that bit. You know, mm-hmm. little bits like that. That's about the most I'll go. But then every so often, he'll just kind of struggle with a piece, and I'm just like. Pause. You've got all of this. This one section, try it. It's like, I just know his uh, the way he works. Right. I'm just like, you did this one time. Go back to your hada-da. Mm-hmm. Yep, that. Spe- Extend that again. Especially yeah. with bass, I have to retrain my brain with like certain like uh, picking patterns and yeah. things like mm-hmm. that because it's different. That's, that's the one thing that separates a bass player from a guitar player. you got to kind of think like a drummer with your yeah. rhythms. Exactly. Yeah. It's very it, percussive. And exactly. then again, just the benefit of just working with someone so much, you just be able to go that shorthand. Mm-hmm. Hell, I, I think I remember one time it was uh, when we were over at Top Heavy. I literally turned to you. I was just like, do your other bullshit. 
That's all I said was, I said, do your other bullshit right there. You're like, oh. And that's all it took was me just saying, no, 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 do the other bullshit. And he was just like, got it. And it whipped it out. I was like, yep, that, that, that. There right. you go. <laughs> just all pentatonic country leads. And- uh-huh. <laughs> well, and the other thing, I, I think Cap does a really good job at it. It is hard. I think it can be hard for a, a guitar player to, to switch over the bass. Not in that it's a, it's a more, it's not a more difficult instrument or anything like that. It's that. I didn't appreciate the approach. No, I said you do a good job at it. (laughs) I'll let you finish. I'll let you finish. My bad. (laughs) Cutting himself down before you. Calm down, fish. I hadn't set the hook yet. (laughs) Um, My bad, dog. (laughs) No, it's a different mindset. Yeah. In that, yes, you are playing the rhythm, but you're also playing below the rhythm you're kind of the translator between the drums and the guitar exactly mm-hmm. you know and uh god growing up every bass I, I saw a bunch of terrible bass players uh they were root note that's it yep you're playing an e mm-hmm. i'm playing e yeah i'm playing the exact same position you are yeah you know that kind of thing and, and, and what was fun is uh being able to kind of uh, talk with him some is i've never really had any proper training like right. I, like actually going to guitar class I, I think i've gone to maybe two or three guitar classes when i was like 10 and i barely and the only thing i remember from that was how to make an a chord yeah, and so it's like, yeah so it's like that that's all i remember so everything else has literally just been like learning by ear so i don't know if anything i ever play is correct right you know all i know is the sounds good and it feels right so there's been just different moments like with him playing bass and like when i played bass and biggie for a while right near the tail end i started kind of learning a different kind of picking groove exactly what you were talking about kind of playing under the drums and i noticed it gave the band a little bit of a different bounce and a little bit of a different vibe and even jeff was like you're you're really kind of locking in on bass i was like so you like that he goes yeah whatever you're doing there that that works with this keep that going so it was like just a slightly different picking style i wasn't like dd picking right right. and it wasn't even like a one two it was almost like a one one two one boom 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 yeah i was adding almost this little extra hops in there and just like certain little walks that were like in a box right because sometimes bass will you know hit like a minor and you know a major that kind of stuff when they're doing like proper walks and something i went outside of that i'm like fuck it no i'm not going to do a traditional bass thing i'm just going to do my lead guitar box walks Mm -hmm. on bass instead and you start noticing a lot of new wave bands started doing that too they were just doing a lot of bounces in boxes well yeah uh, you know and new wave kind of came right after the punk, the punk movement yep and one of the funniest things i ever heard was that uh, new wave came about about because the punk bands actually got better yeah yeah and that's exactly mm-hmm. what we've started doing because yeah. we'll kind of dissect you know some of those early you know depeche mode songs right and like try to strip it down and mm-hmm. it's like even those early duran duran sounds like planet earth play that straight on a guitar and bass it is a punk song it's just oh, a yeah. three chord talking about duran duran or depeche mode duran duran for, okay. for, well i was saying you could listen to any yeah. of those oh, okay. but specifically yeah. like duran duran's uh planet earth like even something like that strip away everything else play it straight it's just right. a punk song yeah. and that's what's crazy about that kind of stuff it's all the delivery oh yeah and just attitude to it they couldn't all those guys couldn't play their instruments really either one of my favorite bands from the era is joy division and yep. they were all just you know learning how to play their instruments and it just became the little happy accident that they wound up being <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which if one? i had a nickel <laughs> they're not the forgive my ignorance on this i was never a goth um 
<laughs> Joy, Joy Division came after the Smiths, correct? Uh, I think they were before, if not around the same time. I, I thought Joy went, Division sure became either. like a collect, came a collaboration of like two other bands that broke up. I'm not. Oh, no, New, sure. New Order was what uh, came after oh, okay. uh, Joy that's, Division. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. of. that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, those yeah. were like the guitar player and the bass player. And the, I haven't done a deep dive on the Smiths yet. I just know the handful of songs. They had a handful of songs that I'm not ready to be a Morrissey I, fan I, yet. I, got, <laughs> I am not a Morrissey. <laughs> but I, the reason I got exposed to them, like a, the way most people hear new music, somebody else was playing it. Yep. Yeah, you know. And when I was in college, the guy who had a his studio was well, we were in the same studio, and he would be playing his music. So I'd hear it all the time. You know, I'd hear Tony the Pony and things right. like that or Vicar and a Tutu. And I was like, okay, those are those are okay. I like that. I've come but around to where I like all those clean guitar tones and all Jangle those records Pop, too. Man. Jangle Pop, yeah. exactly. Hell, you, yeah, like you I, don't like Jangle Pop at all, do you, Cap? It's not like I put out a couple of songs that have that kind of <laughs> shit in them. <laughs> that, that was a term I never knew. And I first heard it, uh, I think, from uh, Badger, the bass player of uh, the Ray Guns. Then I later ran into uh, a guy named Brad Morris, who now plays with the Aqualads. And when he and I were jamming together, it, he was like, yeah, I listen to a lot of that jangle pop stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I finally started putting the two and two together. I go, oh, it's essentially that, the, that makes exact perfect sense. You it's know? essentially the Beatles. And that was just all like jangly guitars and shit yeah. like that. And then make a pop song out of it. Yep. You know, <laughs> put really- all the clean 12 string Ricky tones on them and... <laughs> Put a little uh, those late late seventies clean teletones and all mm-hmm. that too. For some reason, I've been to a lot of uh, listened to a lot of late seventies stuff. But we got a whole section about that. Oh yeah, the seventies. Uh, actually, before prior to the Ray Guns, or not the Ray Guns, prior to the Grave Rollers, when I wasn't playing with anybody, I actually had the idea of trying to do something that um, the word is. I've always hated the term Southern rock. I know it because it it kind of gets niched into things yeah but it was one time when i was in i was actually in boston of all places uh driving from the airport listening to the radio and it was a classic rock station right dude they played almond brothers it's the same they played played all this stuff from that era same shit you hear down here (laughs) i was like hey you know that's I was like, Southern might be a bad term. That just says where they're from, you know? Yeah, but when we think of, like, Southern rock, we think of the guys that we see at the Leonard Skinner concerts and the all guy, that. yeah. Yeah, with that guy. <laughs> well, the thing is now, I mean, I mean, I love the original Leonard Skinner. I do, too. Which, and, which ended in that plane crash. Well, we talked about uh, bands that were uh, kind of ruined by classic rock radio, even though the songs are great, like, you know, Queen or something like oh, that. Yeah, I'll yeah, put yeah. Leonard Skinner in that box, too. Like, oh, yeah, man. One of the, they're still, to me, one of the greatest bands of all time. They but, really are. And, for, and you want to talk about some insane bass playing. Yeah, nope, that dude does not get any love whatsoever. No, no, no. And he's not just hitting root notes in that thing. No, he's doing he's, he's moving around. He's moving around and he's make he's making three guitars make sense. Yeah. Yep. And drum Artemis Pyle, Spartanburg, South Carolina's own Artemis Pyle. Did oh, I tell wow. you on I, drums? <laughs> I saw Artemis Artemis Pyle. I was cooking at the uh one of the barbecue competitions in in Lexington. Yeah. And competition was over. We were just waiting for judge results to come back. And I was walking over, and there was this group of kids playing with this old guy on drums. And I was like, (laughs) that dude looks familiar. And I started saying, 
that's a lot nicer drum kit than should be with this group. <laughs> Meanwhile, all the kids have line six amps oh, and dude, shit like yeah, that. <laughs> I mean, I, it was, it's like one kid had a good rig and then the other kids had the other basic rig. And then this guy is playing like a Gretsch renowned kit, which is like their, their top of the line. And I look back there and I said, Holy shit, that's Artemis Pyle. Were they playing Skinner covers? They or? played one Skinner cover. And okay. I tell you what, he came alive on that one. Oh, I bet. <laughs> he came alive on that one. I've heard him uh, do interviews where he'll uh, talk about his current band. And he says, we play Leonard Skinner songs better than anybody else out there that's playing Leonard Skinner oh, songs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there any, aside from Artemis, is there... Well, Armas doesn't play with Skinner uh, anymore. But, uh, but as far as is there anybody in that band that was alive when that paint? Just Gary Rosington, one of the, the guitar player that with the Les Paul. Yeah, and he wasn't he wasn't like the uh, super. Well, I guess he was kind of a superstar player. But uh, all the guys that you know, like the Steve Gaines and Alan Collins, have been dead for a long, long time, and they were the ones that did the bulk of the leads. Oh, like yeah. Gary Rosington is not the guy playing the Sweet Home Alabama solo or the uh, Freebird no, solo. Wasn't Sweet Home Alabama? Wasn't that Ed King? That was Ed King, yeah. yeah, and he died maybe ten years ago at this point now too. Yeah, that, I, I I hate how all that went down. Apparently, uh, you know, when they decided to uh, do a couple tribute shows as the Leonard Skinner Band, yeah, kind of like the Allman Brothers Band yeah. did after they lost all the Allman Brothers. <laughs> um, they uh, they there was like a rule that there had to be at least three people in the band that were part of the touring band mm-hmm. when they when the plane went down right but that was back in the 80s and everything and then, too and then i guess ronnie's wife or cousin yeah. or brother-in-law or I, whatever got I, control of it I, and now I heard, I heard it was ronnie's wife and, and now now his little brother's out there ruining his music oh damn yeah everybody that's outside that camp has nothing but terrible things to say about the wife at this point damn. Uh, it's t- the thing that gets me is that is you know they kind of they they leaned hard into that uh the, the yeah the sub the, the redneck the red yeah. of it, the know? red the red white and blue uh, mm-hmm. kind of you know they they pander extra hard these yeah, days yeah yeah it's just... and it's a shame too because I love that band and they weren't that band at all in the seventies even though they did have that big fuck off Confederate flag you know behind you know them. what's <laughs> funny they uh, I saw interviews from them talking about like the first time that came out that big Confederate flag they didn't know it was coming out oh really the record label sent it with them as a backdrop wow <laughs> yeah this so was, was like uh hmm okay meanwhile they're just opening up for english bands and things yeah. like that damn <laughs> that, yeah. talk, talk about a sobering thing if you're not expecting that yeah. <laughs> uh, fr- friend of mine who's since passed away he was uh in tight with some of the biker clubs mm-hmm. around here and he remembered going to see. He said, "Man, they were having this party out at the clubhouse, and they had this this new band out there called the One Percenters." Oh yeah, I know this that story. That was Leonard Skinner before Leonard Skinner. Oh wow! Yeah, damn. And this is back when motorcycle clubs were just helping folks, just you know, leave leave uh you know places that were getting rough. Like uh, I was watching. Uh, yeah, they were doing that. You know, trafficking some things yeah <laughs> exactly yeah people, people don't talk about that these days but that happened a lot they talk about that a lot on the uh, tales from a tour bus series yeah. that mike judge did like uh they hung around you know george jones's tour bus whenever oh, yeah. he would bail on a sh- he, whenever he would bail on a show and they had to get everybody out there they would talk to the hell's angels and be like can you get a l- make a little convoy for yeah. us <laughs> damn <laughs> oh yeah i mean that, that was my uh little off topic that was my one thing that 
I did not like about the show Sons of Anarchy. Well, yeah, there's a lot of things I don't there like was some about weed. that show. <laughs> there was some weed. Mm. That was it. I'm huh. like, I'm like, dude. Bikers don't traffic just weed. <laughs> no, no, and they they trafficked guns, you know, but it was always for a good cause type thing. I know. It's kind of it. like the A-team. Yeah, we'll come destroy <laughs> yeah, your fucking really. town, but it's for a good cause. <laughs> you know? I should have just leaned into like the whole Godfather part of it where like everybody's clearly a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But God. still like him and root for him somehow. And bikers are not that pretty. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what accent that dude had. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> that is not a California accent. No. <laughs> He's like an Australian actor. Really? <laughs> oh, or yeah. something like that. <laughs> See, I've not watched maybe more than five minutes of that show. I mean, I get, I get, I get sucked into a lot of really bad series because mm-hmm. I kind of keep wanting to know, all right, where are they going to take this? Yeah. It's like Cobra Kai. I enjoy Cobra Kai. <laughs> I enjoy it too. It's a terrible show. I mean, it's let's be goofy. honest. It's goofy. It's it, 80s it came, goofy. If it came on as like a, a new TV show, you'd go, if it God, was, this is terrible. If it, wasn't, you know, if it the, wasn't the Karate Kid. Yeah, if you didn't have all the nostalgia wrapped up. Yeah. It, you know. Yeah, I've gotten through maybe like the first couple episodes of the first season, and I didn't hate it. I wasn't a big fan of the first movie. Like, I wasn't like one of those, oh, the Karate Kid is one of the quintessential oh, 80s movies. That's blah, no, blah, that, blah, blah, like, blah. like we've talked about in the past on this. A lot of that kind of stuff, your, your affinity for it, is a, is more about when you saw it or when you heard it. Yeah. yeah. You know. And it's like and I do have an affinity for classic movies, but just even like at that age I should have really liked Karate Kid. Right. It's like that it didn't stick with me. It's like I tried yeah. seeing it at the right ages of like that early preteen yeah. kind of thing. I mean yeah. we were this was we were teens in the late nineties, early two thousands and the karate kid was for eighties teenagers. Yeah. You know? but, but I liked eighties things. Yeah. So my, it's like that should have fallen into things I liked. Because mom was showing me movies like even Suburbia, which was about, you know, the eighties gutter punks and shit like yeah, that. Right. And I liked it. You know, and she'd show me shit Sid and Nancy and you know stuff like that. And SLC Punk I enjoyed before I fully understood what punk rock was, and now I fucking hate the movie. But, but it's like, <laughs> you hate that movie. I don't like that fucking movie, dude. <laughs> that movie, it's cheese for cheese sake. And that's and why I don't I like it. it. <laughs> I never saw it. My 80s movies were like. We'll br- do that br- on the Couch Potatoes one day. We'll yeah. do a watch along on SLC. That way I can shit on it the whole time. And you can be like, this is funny. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be hilarious. But not my, all my 80s movies were like the. Well, bring me over for that, and I'll shit go. on Alex shitting on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. I'd like that. That'd I'll be stay fun. in my 80s corner full of predator and aliens and all the sci-fi shit (laughs) and again i even dug that just just for some reason i don't know karate i i enjoyed the training sequences in karate kid oh dude it it had i don't know and i guess it all depends on your situation Mm -hmm. i mean you know but like ferris bueller's day off i saw that around the same time period and i loved that movie yeah so you like you like happy winter movies. <laughs> I'm a winner. I don't know. Uh, would you consider Pretty in Pink a winter movie? Ducky does not get the girl at the end. I consider that. I, I, I didn't like Pretty in Pink. Oh, how dare you. I, <laughs> didn't care for Breakfast Club or anything like that. Nah, I, couldn't, I couldn't care about Breakfast Club. Pretty in Pink, though, was good. Talk about shows that I can't believe I'm still watching after mm-hmm. all the all the way through i just got through watching season two of the boys and that's just it's great but it just kind of like drains you after a minute because all the characters on that show are such pieces of shit have you watched the boys yet no i have not imagine if superman was a sociopath 
that's what the show is about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there, there's there's a there's a mirror to every Justice League character. Yeah. There's, so there's like an Aquaman character. There's a Batman type character. There's a Wonder Woman character. That kind of stuff. Yeah. And within the first episode, like this isn't spoilers. Like within like the first couple minutes of the episode, it's established that uh, superheroes are assholes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're being paid off by the government, uh, or they are the uh, victims of like. Okay, so for instance, Superman. Oh, that's stops, a QA sheet. Well, no, like Superman. <laughs> Superman. That's how it's, well, uh, yeah, yeah. Go on. <laughs> Superman stops a crime, and like in the middle of that, a car accidentally falls on a girl. Okay. They go to that victim's family and have them sign NDAs and pay them off so they don't talk about it in the news. So you find out a lot more of that is happening. Well, I mean, and then that, like the B plot is a girl trying to get into what is essentially the Justice League. And then once she gets in, finding all the corrupt shit that's going on, finding out that they don't actually go out and fight crimes. They have an itinerary of potential crimes due to lead. And they ha- and they're supposed to hang out in that area and scope out specific people. Like they're basically treated like police officers, kind of thing. And like it is very much scripted and like and all this. It's it's such an interesting watch and For like Instagram and Facebook. And yeah, it's very current right. like that too. It's it's very that sounds horrible. Well, it's it's that's just the first episode. You don't feel they, good watching it, they, but it's compelling. They dig deeper and deeper with each episode, and it's just like, by the time you watch the second episode, you go, well, fuck, now I just have to see what happened next. Well, see, I... <laughs> and, done- and then before, and then you get to the end of season one, and it's like, no spoilers. The very last shit you see at the end of season one, you go... Well, I have to see what the fuck they do now. See, I, I'm, that, I'm that way with a lot of shows. Yeah. And uh, I, I attribute it to the fact that I do have a bit of an addictive personality. I do too. And uh, it's like season one of Dexter. When I finally got around to watching it, I was mm-hmm. like, ooh, that was a really good show. I wonder yeah. how they're going to do it the next time. Season two, I was like, okay. Oh, Okay, it's kind of like season one, but maybe it'll, maybe something else happens. So season three, that's the same thing, over and over. You didn't like season four, over. dude, all the way through it. I, I forget how many seasons there were now, like it's thirteen kind of, or fourteen, whatever. They are essentially telling the same story it's every the same season, story. but with different scenarios. Like I like season four a lot because of you know that the there's somebody that's you know darker than uh you know Dexter at that point as far as like but in a bad way. Even though Dexter's kind of in a bad way, but that's the whole point of the show. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was actually one I never wanted to watch it, and the reason I wound up not watching it is um at that point that's when I was kind of hanging out with a bunch of kids my age mm-hmm. and all the little preteen girls that love Twilight also loved Dexter. So I was just like, nope, I'm not watching that. <laughs> I, I don't hang around with a lot of preteen girls. I said when I was that age. <laughs> when I, too, was also a preteen. Uh, I have a hard br- time remembering those days. <laughs> They're trying to bring it back now, and I'm sitting here going like... Are they? Yeah. Wow. I mean, like, what's the story? Yeah, really. I mean, is that guy not getting any work anymore, too? I mean... I mean, well, my, well, the thing is, is like basically the whole 
stick of the whole show was it was like a serial killer for semi good, right? A serial killer that yeah. gets his, you know, killing serial killer, you know, jollies off by killing bad dudes. Okay, so like, do we not have enough like serial killer type documentaries and outlets on Netflix and but podcasts and stuff like that? Do we that, really need to reboot Dexter for all of it? Too? Maybe that's why they're doing it. Maybe they're just like, ooh, true crime is the thing right now. Now's the time for a reboot. Oh, maybe. I gotta admit, man, I fall into those holes all the time. I'll watch documentaries on like any cult. We have a podcast. <laughs> my wife used to get on me all the time because I'd watch like all these documentaries about, you know, biker clubs. I yeah, use Hell's Angels and shit like and, that. Uh, and, and jails and all this kind of oh, stuff. God. Oh, God. And yes. Basically, Spike it, TV and two in the afternoon. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and I, fi- I finally realized what it was. I was more interested in the. Uh, the sociology of it. Yes. Because mm-hmm. it did How click. did your brain work on that? It, yeah. How did mine work? No, no, their brain. Like, yeah, like, you're talking to the TV like, like well, how did your brain work yeah, on now, this? Okay, okay. So you joined this group. Okay, oh. then how did they keep you in there? Yeah. And what methods did they use? Yeah, this, is, you know. this is all gangland and stuff like that, right? Oh, yeah, gangland That's what I used has to watch. a bunch of stuff like that. They had yeah. episodes on, like, like you were saying, biker gangs, Hell's Angels, and they would do stuff on bloods and crips yeah. and shit mm-hmm. like that you know and uh the one that i think fascinated me the most was uh it was actually i think for a i'll call it a pre-skinhead group like so, so Eng- was, english skinhead no 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 okay. I, i'm not gonna argue semantics over skinheads but i'm talking about the racist skinhead right yeah. um the uh it was how they got disenfranchised teens yeah, to kind of get into this group mm-hmm. that eventually got them into the hardcore stuff. Oh wow! Okay, so it was it, almost like a gateway mental it, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the gateway drug. Yeah, that kind <laughs> but of for your brain. Yeah, but it was kind of the you know people who basically would just sit there and agree with you, and then they give you a common enemy. Oh, gaslighting. A to bit, an extent. To an extent. Yeah. But, that, but it's like gaslighting to basically to the point of almost brainwashing you. Almost. Because, 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 because if, if you get someone agreeing with you enough and then you insert right. a common enemy, they feel that connection still. And basically at that point, if you build up that strong enough connection, you can basically right. go, okay, kill. And they'll well, go do it. Especially <laughs> if they're young and impressionable and, and, like that. Yes. And actually having watched all those things and been fascinated with uh, sociology and subcultures and things like that. Same. When you start to see some of this stuff, like, well, even even in uh, our government. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Each side has an enemy. Yep. You know, and then basically the way to get supporters is to say, you're right, they're wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, that's cult mentality. Yeah, there is, there is no in between. Nope, yeah. not in the slightest. And before we start getting too deep in the weeds and yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, he's Chris has got a roll. Uh, do you have time to talk about what you've been listening to? You need a split. No, no, I got a few minutes. All right, well then, fucking Hank, what the hell have we been listening to? What you listening to, son? I don't think you like it. Well, why not? I like this new generation of music. Where did you record this? I bought it at the mall. What that person on your tape has is a medical disorder. I have been uh, rediscovering the Dickies. Oh, okay. I liked them years and years and years ago. 
kind of forgot about them for a while. Mm-hmm. Came across like a, a single of theirs I had. And yeah. It was a single for Roadkill. Yes! I was and, actually about uh, to bring that one up. That is the main Dickie song that I love. Sad story. Sorry to mm-hmm. hijack your segment, but not a lot of people feel like talk about Roadkill. Mm-hmm. Um, Mom had that on 7-inch, and she said that was one of the few songs that she would put on that uh, when I was young, it kind of like in those like standing bouncer things yeah. like to get your yeah. legs kind of trained to stand. She said that was the one song I would start like bouncing up and down and like in my seat too so apparently i love the dickies even as a fucking kid that's awesome (laughs) i haven't gone down the dickies rabbit hole yet i I mean i like the way they approach it they're like we like punk rock but we didn't you know we didn't have terrible childhoods Mm -hmm. we grew up in the summer in the suburbs we went to pool parties yeah so that's what we're gonna sing about yeah we're gonna write fun silly (laughs) songs i love it but yeah, no, Dickies is a great one, man. Actually, bringing that up, I think they have Roadkill on Spotify. I'll have to listen and, to that and, one. And again. you know, uh, Manny Moe and Jack. Mm, mm, a bunch God, of that those. Been a minute. Well, Cap, what the hell have you been listening to, sir? Just uh, staying in my late 70s. <laughs> uh, kind of a little box here lately. Uh, last couple of days, I've been listening to a lot of Give Them Enough Rope by The Clash. Really? I kind of dove back into The Clash rabbit hole just because I like that style of late, late 70s tones mm-hmm. and drum sounds for some reason like the clash the police the all the new wave bands we talked about but i guess with this clash record just because it's like full-on les paul tones and things like that too that's kind of got me back into it and i used to not give a damn about the clash at all really when i was getting into uk punk but i guess here lately since i've kind of dare you i know right (laughs) probably because they're the only band that matters i know it That's probably that's probably why I didn't like them enough because they got they had a tendency to get a little preachy and everything oh, from yeah. back then, and that's kind of why I wrote them off. But this is a fantastic this in particular is still a fantastic record. Give them enough uh, rope. It's got you know Tommy Gunn. That's probably my favorite one on there where the drums just start. It's cool and safe European home and cheapskates. All the young all the young cunts. It's young punks on the the title, but it becomes young cunts after a minute. You know, a Clash song I absolutely love, and I think most people hate it, is Lost in the Supermarket. I don't think I know that one. I think it's off of London Calling, if I'm not mistaken. Either that or Combat Rock. See, that was the... My brother had London Calling, and that was the one I liked it a lot for a minute, but then I quit listening to it after a minute. It just kind of comes back and forth. I'll probably be listening to that again at some point. See, I wound up not falling too much into the Clash for the same reason I didn't fall too much into Rand. They had a lot of ska and reggae elements oh, yeah. to their music, yeah. and and that's been a genre that I've tried because uh, my buddy Owen loves reggae and ska. So it's like I heard a lot of different versions, like early, like you know, recorded in a basement in the '60s kind of shit, all the way up to modern. I've heard it; it's just that doesn't speak to me. I, I, There's not I, that I, much on the on give them enough rope. It's just kind of, but there are a few moments where the bass just kind of hops and there's like bump 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 bump. Interesting, bump, interesting bump. thing about that is their uh bass player for the clash when they he got recruited to play bass he goes i didn't really know how to play that much he goes in the only albums i could find that i could hear the bass on were reggae albums yep that makes sense there you go and plus at that time in england reggae was was huge yeah nobody nobody really listened to reggae in that period in the states at least right no it wasn't really that popular here i mean hell bob marley spent how many years over there yeah so no shit Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that's a good one. I, I just Clash has never been one I could be drawn to. But this one, uh, kind of side note, I, I was kind of 
it was hard for me to find a record uh, to talk about on here because most of the time, the stuff I've been listening to, we wind up talking about on our Saturday show. Uh, you got to hear this on Patreon. Right. So I was like, well, shit, I did listen to the new Sweet record, and I did listen to that Thin Lizzy record. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> fuck, those are the things I've been listening to lately. Right. So one, I actually did wind up popping on earlier this week that, oddly enough, because Spotify reminded me that this was a top record for me this time last year. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, yeah, it might be time to dig back in, but it's the 78 Paul Stanley solo record good one and that one for me is like there's always the big (laughs) there's always the big debates on which was better ace or paul's and i think ace has a better guitar rock record for a solo album paul's though i still feel is the better songwriter record without a doubt because even if you wanted to get picky the only song i could maybe take away would be hold me touch me because it just sounds like such a 70s ballad but it's like I still love that one. It's a sweet little love song, but it's like kicking hard out of the gate tonight. You belong to me with just that pretty little acoustic intro. And then the heavy drums and guitar move on. Ain't quite right. Wouldn't you like to know me? Take me away together as one. All it's all right. All of those just back to back bangers. And with Ace's record, it really does feel like there's a couple where you're just like, okay, I get it. Yeah. You're snow blind. Okay. Ozone. I hear you, Ace. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you can't think of any more lyrics, just repeat the title yeah. over and over. So again, I love Ace's playing, but Paul's solo record from the seventies. That that's just one. I, I have to go back to every so often. It's just Reverend Stanley has to preach. <laughs> R.I.P. Bar- uh, Bob Kulik. Yes. Yes. R.I.P. Bob. He passed away last year. We weren't doing episodes around that time. I think our first, you got to hear this episode was Paul Stanley's solo album. I, yeah, probably was. Anyway, roughly a year ago is when we started this. So I think you're right. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, guys, it's been awesome getting back into the swing of things. Hopefully, we just got to stay on top of it. We'll do this again next week. We got to get back in the swing and doing regular something good episodes again. I agree. <laughs> this was fun, guys. Yes, and, and excellent. Thank you for kicking off the year in style Thank with this man. Me. Yes, sir. And Cap, after all this time, do you finally have a fucking outro for us? Buy Grave Rollers uh, vinyl, buy Fillin's vinyl. That shit's expensive. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you for listening. Please insert another coin by supporting the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com/somethinggoodnetwork.